This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. That uh, even after people pointed out he didn't put them in his article, he still hasn't updated his article to include them. So just... <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Old rank handicap, new rank handicap. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle and I'm joined by David and Jay this week. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, points changes, they happened. Uh, the world is not as we once knew. No longer will snipers uh, dominate the galaxy. Or will they? Well, they're still pretty good. Yeah, they're still pretty good. 75-point rotaries are pretty good, too. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are pretty good. How about you, Jay? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. Glad to be on and, and joining up on the Scoundrels again this week. This will be fun. Yeah, Mike is, uh, Mike is off in the woods somewhere, um, you know, making fire with uh, sticks or something. We, we sent him on a leadership but retreat for the <laughs> yeah. fifth troopers. <laughs> a, vision, a vision quest, life after snipers. Yeah, we wanted him to be a better manager for the fifth trooper, so we <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he's eating crickets and catching catching fish and, and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. He's uh I'm sure he's enjoying himself wherever he is. Um but uh we got a lot to talk about this week. We're gonna do a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to uh, Hit some news. Uh, the London GT was this weekend, and it was officially the last tournament with the old points. Um, so we'll briefly talk about that. Uh, in Legion 101, we're going to talk about System 1 and System 2 thinking. Um, and we'll talk about what those terms mean and how they apply to Legion. And then we're going to probably spend 85% of this episode talking about the points rebalance. Um, you know, we had Alex. Half the audience's eyes just glazed over. Because they heard system one and system two thinking. Yeah, well, they just had a system one response. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned. Use your system two and stay tuned. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of uh, of a academic section, but I think it will be useful and applicable to Legion. So extremely. Um, all right, let's hit some. Uh, let's do some housekeeping real quick. Jay, you want to do uh, Patreon and Matts? Yeah. So for most of you out there that know, we we had a Patreon page up. Uh, if you're interested in supporting what we do and uh, getting us to the next level of providing more, go check it out. Uh, you know, a lot of our Patreon members this month. So in October, they'll be getting a T-shirt in the mail, uh, the Dubacle T-shirt. So that's fun uh, for for the certain level of Patreon members. And then everyone's going to be getting, um, you know, actually, I don't, I don't mind talking about it there, you know, for this this uh, quarter's giveaway for being a Patreon supporter is we're going to actually be, we custom built a list for our Patreon members uh, with a little story behind the list. And, and you'll get the list, uh, all art cards for the list. And then the story behind it. And so those are going to be going out to our Patreon members uh, in October, which is super exciting. So, you know, if you want to if you want to help support the Fifth Trooper and and help us achieve all, all of our goals, which is providing content for you, get on over to the Patreon page. Um, 
And actually, at the at the top level of the Patreon every year, for a year's worth of Patreon support, you actually get one of our mats, which segues me into the second section here. Um, we actually launched our next wave of mats, a pre-sale kind of tease is out now. And then later this week, we'll actually have pre-sales up. And so... We have um, we have a bunch of new designs plus something special with the sidebars, uh, our old mats. Sidebars were on the mat. We actually pulled those off in their own neoprene uh, mats. Uh, they're six inch by six feet, and they're just ready to go and be on the side of your mat, so that no matter what mat you have, you'll always you'll always be able to easily section it off for Legion instead of using painter's tape and you know the other various ways that we section off mats now um you know we'll be we'll be good to go with the with those sidebars so check out the fifth trooper.com and you'll see game mats up there and you can kind of get a, a preview now and then later on they're going to go into pre-sales and um this kind of like so we did this big vote whether people wanted to do pre-sales or kickstarter and uh Everyone kind of said they didn't care. So I'm treating this like a Kickstarter where, you know, we're going to we're we're now we're going to need to get to a certain level before we do sales. But I'm sure we'll get there. So, you know, later this week, look out for the the pre-sales. Awesome. Um, well, that's crazy. Cool. Can, can you talk real quick about like the themes, like what types of mats we're looking at this time? Yeah, so uh, this time around, we are actually, we've got um, five five new mats. Uh, we have a desert land slash planet or anything that doesn't infringe on IP. We have, <laughs> <laughs> we have grasslands. <laughs> the non-IP infringing system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we have grasslands. You, you may have seen something in, you know, one of the prequel movies, similar... Uh, we have a beach, you know, with some water and a tropical beach, which was in, you know, one of these movies. I don't know which one. I can't remember. Perhaps but, a shore. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a shoreline of sorts. Hey, there's lots of, uh, lots of have, big galaxy. There's lots of shorelines, you know. Yeah, yeah. sure. There's lots of water. But, lots and of no, no, no particular galaxy either. There's lots of, lots of galaxies <laughs> with shorelines. Anyway, continue. Yeah. W- we have uh industrial shipbuilding yard that you know maybe a certain scoundrel visited or was born or lived on and then we have uh kind of like a classic city uh map that would be reminiscent of you know somewhere where a princess who had twins uh lived at one point so oh, okay copper roofs and all um, but yeah, no. So, so you know, the the real neat thing about this time around for everyone listening is, and you can tell your friends out there, dear listeners, is that this isn't just for Star Wars Legion. So the way we tried to design the mats this time is they fit in the Star Wars galaxy for sure. Uh, but you could use them for 40k or um, Bolt Action or Infinity or a or any other tabletop war game. Um, that you may play with your friends or your friends may play. So, you know, if anybody's interested in just seeing different types of mats that maybe they've seen before and, and any game that you may play, check them out. You know, it may be, it may be worth something to you. 
Yeah, what we're talking about is value, right? We're talking about it's not just an investment you make for Legion. It's an investment you make for any game system you choose to play. Yeah, and you know, and I mean, we did the mats, uh, the mud mat and the crate mat, which I loved doing, and I think the response was really good on those. But you know, I think we may have tied ourselves down a little bit with putting the sidebars, even though the sidebars may have been a good idea. We kind of limited by putting them directly on the mat. So you know, this this time around, we thought it would be a good idea. That, uh, like I said, you can get a set. They come in a set of two, you know, for one table of sidebars that basically have an area for um, 12 activations worth of cards and then a little area to hold your your dice or your tokens, you know, and uh, and then it basically measures off six inches. Um, the neat thing that we incorporated uh, not only on the sidebars, but also on the mats, the mats have hidden measurements that are every range three down the middle of the mat. Um, and then also the sidebars too, as well. They have, they have markers at range, you know, every range three from starting from the left to the right or the right to the left. No, that's just yeah. genius. Cause not only does it speed up deployment, it also, or set up and deployment. It also, um, you know, you can also establish ranges and, and, you know, um, avoid the, uh, pitfalls of using a bumper or some sort of marker that is not precision cut. Um, that's just going to be really helpful, I think. And I'm looking forward to using them myself. Yeah. And it's, but essentially it's, it's not like an obnoxious X or anything in the middle of the mat. It's like a bush or a rock or, you know, some other unobtrusive marking that like, you know, you'll know that it's in the middle of the mat, but it's not going to make the mat look uh, odd or out of place. Yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of, you know, I think once you see them, like you as a mat owner will always see them, but, um, but you'll, you know, it, it's part of the design. So yeah. I, I hope, I hope that people enjoy that. And I, I hope that it, it looks okay for everybody. Awesome. Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing them in, uh, I don't know how to say it in person in the neoprene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and and that's the thing too. So I got the prototypes for all of them, and you know, they all not to toot our own horn here, but they all turned out really nice printed. Uh, so I was really happy uh, actually with how they turned out printed. So I'm excited for everybody to see them and 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 to get involved and and get some. You know, I think it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, we think we think you're gonna love them. Yeah. Um. So let's talk real quick about Invader League. Uh. Verity League signups were um, we're actually recording this on Sunday. They were today. Uh, by they the came time, and went. <laughs> yeah, by the time you, by the time you hear this podcast, um, they will probably be uh, it will probably be full. I think um, as of recording time, they had already blown past the original ninety six player size, and LJ extended it to one forty four, and then I think it's already at one hundred and thirty six. Holy um, moly! So yeah, if, uh, if you're hearing this podcast and you want to sign up for Invader League, you're probably just going to get waitlisted. <laughs> yeah. As soon as um, I, um, I was, I was coming back home from church and I looked at my phone and I checked the discord and I was absolutely floored. I'm like, I oh, guess I better register now before I yeah, like, lose yeah, my spot. I almost, I almost forgot about it. Um, 
Yeah, I was pretty close to getting waitlisted myself. <laughs> yeah, you got the champ. The champ is gonna get waitlisted. <laughs> you got you got to defend your title, man. You got a title defense to make. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I might mess so, around so, a little more. So are you gonna so. do your ten games of, of Republic or ten games of Separatists and then win the whole league again? <laughs> <laughs> Just making my first ten games of something. Exactly. Um, well, I think I'd have to do Republic to do that. Um, yeah for for those of you that for those of you that recall, um, Kyle played Empire and Invader Three, and uh, basically, you know, was not new to Legion certainly, but pretty new to the faction in general, um, and just like swept the whole league. Like, were you undefeated? Uh, yeah, it was. No, you had like one defeat. It was 10, no. 10 games, no defeats. Wow. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and I didn't do any practice, so those were my first ten Empire games. Holy moly. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that again this time. Um, but I'm okay. going to mess, I mean, we're in a whole new world here with the points changes. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm going to mess around with some new stuff. It might be a little janky. We'll see. <laughs> a, a new fantastic certain point of view as the song clearly says. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, we got, so just to talk real quick, um, as far as like what's going to be legal in invader league, it's essentially everything that's been uh spoiled so um you know there's, there's even rumors that r2 is coming as well yeah because we did get an r2 preview this week so um yeah it's it's all four factions it's you know to include things like uh, the tanks to the extent that we know stuff about them and um so yeah it's gonna be crazy it's it's the points for balance on top of two new factions and a bunch of new units and stuff so it's i'm really looking forward to see and it's it's also really interesting because in round robin which is the first stage um, which is like a you know like in a baseball or football division where you play all your um, uh, the other people in your division. Um, you right. can switch your you can switch your list every. You cannot switch your faction. You have to keep the whole faction or one faction for the whole tournament. But you can switch your list up every time. Yeah, um, so and your I think we're gonna see. Locked. Yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of crazy experimentation in round robin phase. It's gonna be really exciting. So. Yeah, um, I'm um I'm I'm down for that. Like um. Now I don't know if there has LJ said that they're going to do it like last time, where they published the map pool and then uh, assigned uh, pairings based on which maps are there, and then let you know what your pairings and maps were in advance of your of your game. Um, so you can I don't study think he's up. I don't think he's specifically said that, but I don't see why it would be any different. So um, yeah. that's what I, that's what I would expect, unless we hear otherwise. Yeah, this is one of the big differences between Legion Online and Legion in person is that, you know, in person tournaments, the maps are essentially random because you don't really know what the terrain's going to be. But um, online, because map development takes a substantial amount of time and um, we have the ability to um, balance uh, the terrain through iterative testing. Um, there are fewer overall sets of terrain and slightly less randomness. And so list construction um, is affected by that mildly. You know, you, you see it in, in um, for example, in, in Yavin Base Team League, there were almost no tanks on a certain map because people knew that this map existed and they never wanted to play tanks on it. <laughs> so um, that's kind of, that, that effect will occur in Invader League depending on what the final output of the map creators looks like um yeah um it's an interesting it's an interesting element of invader league for sure one of the great things about invader league is that since it is um on tts you can essentially watch the the twitch streams um 
and it's it's what as far as like mechanics and what's happening in the game is concerned it's one of the best ways to watch a legion game because you know the um the commentators can literally like zoom in on the action and get line of sight down on the table and everything so yeah, they can make determinations and try to, you know, estimate what the next course of action is right along with you. And that's honestly one of the best ways to improve. Um, I forget who it was, but um, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, in athletics, right, you you don't just um, practice. You also look at videotape. And this is a, similar to looking at videotape is just seeing how certain units and lists are played and, you know, figuring out what works and what doesn't. So that definitely contributes to your development as a player to tune into some of these streams, to look at the commentary, look at the list building, see what's working, see what's not working, um, figure out what you do, steal, steal ideas because no one's strategies are copyrighted. <laughs> That's just yep. how part of the game works. And um, you, you always learn a thing or two when you tune into one of these streams. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. The, the actual gameplay starts in October sometime, so... Um, stay tuned. Um, we're going to be yeah. talking about a lot, I'm sure, because we're all playing, including you this time, Jay. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, the last few I sat out just because I was like, I don't know if I have time for this, but I decided that this season I'm going to, I'm going to try and, um, I've already been playing with some list ideas and I'm, I'm very excited to be part of it. So it's a great, it's a great way to just like mess around with new lists. I'm looking forward to super Luke. Yeah, the, I mean, the real the real Maldiv, the real Kuisat's Hadarak, to borrow a phrase. <laughs> the Kuisat's Hadarak. He is, man. I don't know. He's the, the, the super the super being or the super unit. Yeah, he's uh he's he's ridiculous. It's it's um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, I have not I, think, I have not actually decided what faction I'm playing yet. So I, I think I joked at Gen Con that I was playing 800 points of Luke. But really, I was playing Luke and Leia, and you know her gun line. Yeah. Now, now we really can play 800 points of Luke <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. now we have six command cards for him. Yeah. So it's 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 800 points of Luke in the most literal sense. Yeah. Right. And and some random other rebel schmoes thrown in there for. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to grab. It's still the boxes, pretty fluffy. Right. <laughs> right. Someone's got to grab the boxes around here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. interesting. We'll we'll um we'll talk about operative Luke in another episode, but he plays a lot like Palpatine and that like in order to win, he's gotta carry the game on his back. But he's also yeah. extremely capable of doing that. So Oh yeah. Um, he's gotta hit the home runs. Yep. But he's we, we're used know, to that like, as rebel players. Well, and luckily he's even more of a home run hitter than Commander Lucas, so Oh heck yeah. Um, but uh yeah, anyway, we'll uh, we'll save um operative luke and vader for another episode uh obviously yeah. alex and and luke eddie talked about them uh, quite a bit on last episode which if you, if you haven't caught that you should because um, they also talked extensively about the points for balance um and certainly they have uh, uh much more interesting things to say about it than we do as just uh pundits but um we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> give our own views on it today um if you want to hear those uh so yeah um listen to that episode if you haven't but uh, you guys want to launch into this one? Welcome to In the News. Um, so uh, just some quick bits of news. Um, and there was a post on Facebook uh, that indicated that maybe the core set is going to be released in Q4. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. Yeah. It, was a... I, it was a Matt Holland post, wasn't it, right? Matt Holland being the, the front man, the spokesperson as it were for 
FFG's, uh, you know, customer relations through Facebook. Yeah, and he's been doing a great yeah. job, um, like communicating with the community. Um, so yeah, essentially what he said is, um, uh, we haven't communicated about a delay because there hasn't technically been one. It's sorry, there really hasn't been one. Um, we said Q3 and it's still Q3. Q3, as LJ pointed out. That said, it does now look like it'll be Q4, although just about as early in Q4 as possible. Um, hmm. I do So I do apologize for that, but as soon as that day is firmed up, I'll make sure we let you know. So it sounds like from that, it's going to be like early October. That's that's what I get from that. Not to be negative, Nancy, and no, and no offense to Matt, but I got a feeling you're like, I mean, just my feeling is it sounds like from a business speak perspective that maybe something outside of their control happened. Um, it could have been, you know, at the docks or coming into the US or, you know, with distributors, there could have been something else going on there. So uh, the fact that they're being a little bit, the fact that number one, he's saying Q4 uh, is worrisome. And early Q4 uh, is all the way up till the first week in November in business lingo. So so just for everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't no. want to say like first week of October and have people expect that. Um, you know, it's but and it's also it's also not clear that it's going to be Q4. He was, I think he was trying to communicate that also, but it's possible that it will be. So I guess we'll I mean, see. I'll just um. I'll mention yeah. here, you know, it's it's definitely a, a very reasonable conclusion, Jay, that you make about there probably being something beyond their control that's affecting everything. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I'm remembering, and I'm, I'm going to sound like Evan here a little bit, not that that's a bad thing, of X-Wing when they had um, orange acrylic range templates, literally they had trouble finding any orange acrylic anywhere. <laughs> and that's why the templates were two different colors. So it was like a, a like a, a worldwide shortage practically of this orange acrylic material apparently. So yeah, I don't know. Now, now obviously I'm probably am missing numerous details, but it would not surprise me if it was something on that order that's causing the issue. Yeah, it's well, and I mean we've talked about this before on my podcast and I wrote a blog about it before, but you know I think with there's been a bunch of changes in how our country the united states receives things and so there could be a potential there where it's it's some sort of port issue or dock or boat or shipment you know i i got a feeling it's around those lines if i had to guess yeah but you know bottom line is um i think there was a lot of rumors that it would be the 20th which is at this point five days from now obviously that's not going to be it but um it's funny yeah so this is obviously the most significant release we've had since um, the game started, but there's also like, we've, we've, we've kind of been inundated with new content recently. Like there's so many other things to play with. I'm like, man, I don't even have my, my short troopers primed yet. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm okay with October. Yeah. I don't have time to paint droids right now, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so um yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I haven't I'm sh- even taken my shores out of the boxes yet. Yeah, it's like it's like we got so many toys already. I'm I'm like I'm like all right, that's that's fine. I, my airbrush has other things to do right now. Anyway, um, I've been busy painting veterans and tauntauns, and my um, my Gen Con clones are sitting idle. Yeah. Well, can I ask you guys this real quick? So, 
you know, most of us, I think you guys included, uh, have kind of just been keeping up with both factions. And, you know, I know, Kyle, you weren't at first, but now you're getting back into, you know, full full up and on your empire. Do you guys see yourselves buying in with the new factions right away or just a core set and see where you want to go and then think about what you're going to buy after that? Or how do you guys see yourselves purchasing moving forward? Um, I'm hoping to, to just get a bunch of spending out of the way early and just jumpstart my, uh, clone army with a couple, with like two cores and like a half of a core somehow, or like two cores and then trade one half of the second core for the, another half of the clone core. So then I'll have, you know, the maximum number of bark speeders. I'll have six phase one units and I'll have, you know, a bunch of Obi-Wans to play with as I see fit. And then like. I think I could manage, you know, one to two expansions a month if that's the, how the pace keeps up. Yeah, that's I'm my a, plan. Yeah, I'm going to do something similar with with droids. I definitely plan on um, uh, at some point uh, once they get some um, more than corset unit variety, um, probably maining, uh, maining. I guess we'll see how things shake out, but maining um, separatists just because they fit my playstyle so <laughs> closely. Um, the I sort like, of um, cheap horde plus heroes. Well, I was thinking more of like having perfect control of everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. If you you'll have, have you'll have perfect control over your cheap horde, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. If, if if you guys obviously know a lot about my style, but um, I like uh, I like control. So um, separatists definitely fit that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely be buying into them pretty heavily. Um, I've already got you know I've got one and a half cores and. Uh, dooku on pre-order so um you know nice um but you know it's going to be a while i think before they uh get enough unit variety to um be competitive with uh rebels and empire um but we'll see they're also kind of like naturally uh we've talked about this briefly on other podcasts and i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but i do think separatists are kind of naturally like well positioned against the current meta um and that's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk about snipers in a bit, but they don't really care about snipers. They don't really care about like suppressive empire gun lines because they don't care about suppression. Um, they don't even really care about tauntauns either. Uh, I wouldn't go that you far. Know, for the most part, that, um, that displacement suppression. No? Well, they don't care about Not the even displacement. when they ignore the displacement They don't care about the then, displacement you know, suppression, but um, yeah. we'll talk about comms jammers and the rebal, balance rebal. I've already, I'm already oh, sure it. How could I forget? Yeah. Uh, so they, they very much care about Tauntauns, but not for the same reasons that everybody else cares about sure. Tauntauns. Um, right. Which is, you know, getting their face caved in by a horns right. of claws tenacity attack. Right. Um, which also happens to them, but, um, you know, they rely a lot on coordinate, which is a thing that Tauntauns can now mess with. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, I, uh, I, I think both um, Clone Wars factions are going to need you know, maybe into uh, at least until the tank release to, um, you know, field some. It's not that like they're the units they have aren't competitive. It's just that they're predictable. Like I was thinking about going into Invader League um, with with separatists, and I'm like, in in round robin, you can change your list based on every opponent. And I'm like, why wouldn't everybody just run flamers against me? <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see. Um, you know, if you know that a reasonable suggestion, right. You know, like if you know that you're facing, perhaps I will adopt it. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you're, if you're an invader league and you're facing a separatist opponent, you should probably 
from some kind of flamers. Um, yeah, if you're running triple tauntauns, just swap one tauntaun for a comms jamming flamer instead. Yeah, I mean, comms jammer tauntauns are going to be pretty nasty too. But the point is, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's an easy swap. The, the point is that the builds are at the moment predictable, so that you can kind of you can kind of tailor against them um, to counter them at the moment. Well, but. And it's interesting, you know, the reason I was asking, because I thought, and you guys kind of both answered it uh, in a way that leads to my point is that it, from what I've been hearing, even myself and Evan, and it sounds like you guys as well, like we're like with the first release of the original two unit or, or two factions, I felt like I didn't know which one I wanted to play. Like I leaned towards Empire, but I was always like, nah, I could play Rebels. And then I started playing Flyboys and I really enjoyed that. Like right now. I, it seems like most people have just a definite one that they want to play. Like, like everyone seems like they're either clones or they're separatists and they're not. And and everyone's kind of said the same thing where they're like, yeah, maybe I'll get a core set, but I'm really going to just focus on building up this one faction. Cause that's the one I want to play. And so I, I just thought it was interesting that you guys are the same way. And so it'll be, it'll be cool to see kind of how that plays out into the competitive scene as well. Well, just to clarify, I'm doing it purely for fluff reasons. Well, not purely for fluff reasons, like mostly for fluff reasons. Let's say 95% fluff, 5% three-up saves. <laughs> and yeah. maybe 1% token sharing for 101%. Yeah, and I'm, I'm doing it for both playstyle reasons and then also um, somewhat fluff reasons. I, uh, you know, I chose Rebels out of the gate for Civil War. You know, they're the good guys in the Civil War, and... Um, Separatists are the bad guys in theory in uh, Clone Wars, so thought I would switch it up. Yeah, that's a little cool because like I'm light side only, and you're like, no, nah, opposites attract. Let me go play Separatist too. Yeah, I want to. I want to put some Sith on the table, you know. Um, yeah, and now I can do that with Dooku, and obviously Grievous is his own kind of different evil blender. I uh, I've been watching the the Clone Wars TV show. I think it's um, <laughs> he's such a stereotypical villain. Like he's he's like always like clenches his fists and talks with his hands a lot when he's even when he's just giving like mundane orders. Um, I think I'm going to do that in my games, <laughs> you know, I'm going to just be like, and I will activate this unit as I'm clenching my fist. <laughs> because what's you the gotta, point you of gotta do the accent? Yeah. I got to work on my grievous accent, but you know, like what's the point of putting yeah. like the most cliche obnoxious villain cartoon villain on the table without um, doing something like that. So, yeah. So, hey man, so, at least you're not heavy breathing through your Vader games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So my my whole reason is insane uh, as well. So my whole reason I, I'm going to do droids, and it's all because back when the tank and the land speeder came out, they had uh, transport, and all I could think about before we even knew Clone Wars was coming out I was like, oh my god. They're going to come out with the transport for the droids. We're going to be able to transport droids. Like that's, I just like was freaking out about that. So that's, that's the only reason why I'm picking droids is because I'm just hoping that someday we get a droid transport and I can just wheel this monstrosity across the, the battlefield and drop droids off. <laughs> what if it like spat out droids like mid game? Yeah. Like summoning. That'd be great. Like whatever oh, happens, cool. I'm on board. That's that's why I want droids. And and I'm an old orcs and goblin player from from Warhammer Fantasy, so they just make sense for that too. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, I, I'm like you too, Jay. I love the lat gunship, the LAAT from the the Clone Wars movies. Yeah, and um, but I've, I've, I keep getting repeatedly told that it's too big to put on the table, and I'm like, well, 
you know, the airspeeder is not to scale. So, you know, just let your heart sing and hope for the best, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, the way the game's going, I, you know, and all the extra stuff they're doing with like the drop pod and the bunker, who knows, who knows what's in store? Like, I, I mean, really, I, I don't think there's anything that isn't on the table at this point in yeah. one way or another. Game needs more T47 style units, more flyers. Uh, agreed. They could do those. Uh, Evan and I have always wanted those. Uh, I forget the tie the, from from Rogue One that we're flying on Scarif. The, uh, oh, the, um, the striker? Yeah, or the ties, Reaper? The striker, I think, where it just has like they're, they're um, in atmosphere ships. So those, mm-hmm. you know, they're like airspeeders, right? So yeah, the striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. can come out for the Empire eventually. But yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's it's a, so uh, it's a little sad that it's delayed at least past this Friday, which was the original speculated date. But um, we'll see. It sounds like it's still going to be relatively soon. So um, don't take our word for that. We are not uh, <laughs> we are not FFG. We don't represent them. Um, we're just trying to read read between the tea leaves um, from Facebook posts. And yes, I know that I mixed it. Talk about mixing now. metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, tomato, potato. Um, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to parse all that. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm like Biff from Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the London GT real quick. Um, speaking of back to the future, cause this, this thing used the old points values. Yeah. So, um, that was this past weekend is the last official tournament with the old points values. Um, the winner was Finn. Um, Finn, I'm sorry. I don't actually know what your last name is. Uh, but Finn is your discord handle. So that's what we're going to call I, you. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a stab at it. Pay Mula. That's, um, that's how, I think that's how it, um, it goes. So okay. Finn, you can tell me if I did a horrible job on the discord if and when you listen to this episode there you go um so yeah he was finn was the winner uh he won with a fairly traditional chronic bosk list um and uh except with short troopers because they're short troopers um and they're awesome uh and then he uh the second place guy who he he defeated in the final was johannes who played luke sabine um so it was another uh (laughs) luke sabine um you know nova was um there were two Luke Sabines in the top four. So still a strong list, people. Um, you know, lots of people are uh, are flocking to Tauntauns, but um, Luke Sabine's still, still good. Um, he had a... Uh, there were, uh, David, you want to talk about some briefly interesting tech that he had in this list? The relay uplink thing? Uh, yes, I do. I, I do, yes, the relay uplink thing. So um, those of you who have been listening to us, we've talked about comm relay on shore troopers and mortars, specifically on the mortar, because um, you're basically using the extra order that coordinate gives you to generate an order on someone else, um, someone a little bit more useful than, say, the mortar, since the mortar's best use is not always in fire support of a different uh, unit. Um, in this case... Luke and Sabine has problems with keeping tokens on both of their big units. That is um, Luke and Sabine. But if you have a veteran unit with an uplink, you can uh, use the relay on the Mark II blaster to give a token from the vets coordinate to one of the heroes, whether that's Luke or Sabine, depending on whose command card 
is being played. So it's it's a brilliant little piece of tech that I think really um, solves the problem that Luke Sabine has with not taking any sort of command upgrade like improvised orders. Um, it's just a brilliant use of it. And it only costs you about five more points. Um, and that's definitely five points well spent. I'll just say that much to keep your Luke from going early or your Sabine from going early. Well, and you can even use it to win priority. Like if you've got, you know, Luke needs to um, go first, but you've already played Son of Skywalker. You know, you can play explosions and then use uplink relay to give an order to Luke and have him go on a one pip. Right. They work um, back and forth with each other on the one pip turns, which is even crazier to think about. Yeah, it's um. so I've been messing around theory crafting a little bit with a operative Vader Palpatine list. Um, and mm-hmm. you can do something like that if you put bat me- battle meditation on Palpatine. You can essentially use like give into your anger to give an order to Vader. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, but it's uh, uh, you can do a similar trick with this Luke Sabine relay thing. Um, and you can also do this, by the way, with um, almost any unit and separatists, uh, which we'll talk about at some point in a lengthy coordinate separatist article. But like if, if you're running, for example, Dooku and, um, and Grievous in one list, uh, you know, if you put uplinks or at least one uplink on your B1s, um, you can use Dooku's cards to win priority for Grievous and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, so just um, to like walk people through the flowchart here. Um, so let's say you have Sabine and Luke and a unit of veterans with their uplink and a Mark II. So you play explosions, right? And then you up you hit the uplink on the vets. The vets coordinate to the Mark II that has a comm relay that then passes that order to Luke at range one to two. And so you end up with orders on Sabine, the veterans and Luke Yep. all on the one pip turn. Yep. So it's pretty flawless if you set it up correctly. It's, it's not quite as good on the, um, on the MK two as it is on the mortar because the MK two really wants that face up to be fire supporting. Um, and also because multiple taking multiple vets in a list to like chain them together is not, efficient for the same reason that shores are um but i think it's it's great in like edge cases like this where you're running a you know luke sabine or you could even do this in like luke Han, um and you sorry about the mess to have luke go on a zero pip uh where you have like two focus pieces Ooh, and you, and that's you, so dirty yeah um you know it's it's i think it's still good for rebels in a situation like that where you have two focus pieces and you want to be able to give both of them orders on one pip turns um, I just got chills thinking about that. I need to build that list and play it now. Yeah, I mean, it's always been That's possible. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's it's always been possible with units that have uplinks, right? Like I messed around a while ago with, um, you know, we called it Sorry About the Barbecue, but it's essentially a Han list with uplinked Flame RTs, um, which just got cheaper, in the, incidentally. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, where you right. play... Where you got, play what, five points cheaper? Well, they each got five points cheaper, and then I also used Chewy on that list, who got fifteen points cheaper. So my sorry about the barbecue list got thirty points cheaper. Um, yeah, so I got a, it got a buff essentially. Yeah, I got a Z six and an Astromech in there. <laughs> That's um, dope. Yeah, so I'm I uh, I'm going to be messing around with that probably a lot. Um, That's also one of the reasons I haven't decided on a faction yet for Invader League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> someone could just run that against your cis and then just like laugh maniacally yeah, yeah right um but, but, then, yeah. but then they laugh maniacally as grievous kills everything in sight that's that's the thing is there's not a clear grievous counter on that list um so you yeah, might like yeah. you might like murder all the b1s but then 
like what is Han gonna do to screw us in melee? Like I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> we'll just massively suppress him if he's ever in the open. Yeah. yeah. So there, are, you know, that's not a clear like advantage matchup necessarily. But anyway, yeah, point sure. point point is you can use this, um, you know, uplink relay trick uh, to win priority for other focus pieces on your when you can't get mortars directly. So. Yeah. Or hold a piece and lose priority. Similar, you're yep. playing an operative card. Yep, exactly. Um, this is actually really important for Operative Luke because yep. Operative Luke may need to use this tech if he wants to take another hero. Yeah, because if you run he Operative Luke with operative cards, yeah, and if you run him with all of his cards, he's only gonna ha- he's only gonna have two turns where he can actually give orders to other units. So, yeah. So consider um, a relay mortar if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, it's something to consider. Now, if you're running Operative Luke with just like a generic officer and a bunch of schmoes, then you probably don't care about giving orders out to anyone else. Um, but if you want to run like Han Operative Luke, which is uh, potentially pretty spicy, if not a little expensive, then this would be something to think about. Uh, you know what? Mm, we need. We made a mistake. Hmm? Uh, Johannes was running the Luke Sabine, not Finn. Yeah, that's what that's what we said. Oh, yeah. derp. Okay, sorry, sorry, Jay. More editing work. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving that in. Yeah, leave I'm it not in. editing. Yeah, I'm uh, not editing okay. this one, David. So you screw up. It's on you, bro. <sighs> Save me. So how many how many f bombs do we get, Jay? Yeah, as many as you want. They're just gonna turn into R two D two beeps. <laughs> but, but, but Jay, editing is not a may. You're responsible for the game state. Just yeah, like editing. Editing is like bounty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, a may. All right, it let's is uh, tomorrow. Let's move on. Let's move on to Legion One Hundred One. Yeah. Oh, can we just say what Finn won with? Shoot. Let's we give did. some respect to him. We did. Was yeah. really? He yeah. won with Shores, right? Yeah, it was Krennic Boss okay. Shores. Yeah. Derpity derp. Yeah, we said that. Da- hey, David. Hey, David. Yeah. Thanks what? for showing up to the podcast, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you playing uh, like Nintendo Switch while we're, while we're podcasting yeah. here? What's, what's um, going on? Yeah. The sad part is definitely not. <laughs> uh, we're just yanking your. Yanking your uh, rope there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I missed mixed metaphors again. Uh, all right. Um, the rope I will soon use to hang myself with. Oh, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that got you dark. You to cut fast. that one out. That's super dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you should that's cut that out. Scoundrels <laughs> after dark. I don't know. That's darker than, that's darker than Palpatine's pantaloons. <laughs> Does he even wear pantaloons or is he just like naked under that robe? Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? <laughs> that is darker than Luke's desires for his sister. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, does does it count if he doesn't know? Oh, oh wow. he, he knew somewhere. He knew. Yeah. You ever heard of genetic uh, sexual attraction? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about we move on to Legion One Hundred and One? Uh, I mean, if you want. All right. Yeah, I mean, we could just continue, you know, just like bantering. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And insert drop. And yes, I know you have to cut that when I say something. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That was a system one. (laughs) That was a a system one response right there. Um, So we're going to talk. This is going to be a little bit of an academic Legion 101. Um, 
we're going to talk about system one and system two thought thinking thought slash thinking uh so thoughting uh, thoughting yeah so uh let's talk about what we mean by that um so there was there was a book uh, that was written this has been like a concept in academia for a while but there was a book that was written that kind of um like popularized it called thinking fast and slow um by uh daniel kahneman it's an interesting book but basically he also wrote hurry up and wait um yeah no, i have not joking, I'm joking. Oh, okay <laughs> i was gonna say i have not read that Terrible. one uh but uh, so essentially, system. With the difference between system one and system two, that, that's like a fancy way of essentially saying um, reactionary or fight or flight, and that's system one. And then system two is like focused, intentional thought. Um, so fight or flight is like the token example of system one thinking, where uh, uh, you're just reacting. And um, there are benefits to both of those things. Your your brain spends most of the time in your day uh doing um things in system one and that's primarily because it's easier it's less work for your brain um but it's also uh you know prone to like the it prioritizes um speed over correctness um often it will be correct anyway because it's doing you know it's it's your brain on autopilot so if you've trained your brain to to do things quickly and effectively when it goes to system one, then it's going to do those things correctly. Um, but if you haven't done that, then it's going to do them incorrectly, which is how this is applicable to Legion. So um, whether you like it or not, you spend most of your Legion games uh, in system one uh, doing things that are reactionary. Um, and you want to do as many uh, like important tactical things in system two and spending focused thought on that. If that makes sense. Um, well, let me ask you this. So is system one always considered reactionary or is it also considered like automat- automatic responses to situations? Yeah. So, yeah. Re- so reaction- I think what, okay. Yeah. Reactionary may be like a bad uh, shorthand for this. Um, so it is, it is automatic, it's fast, and it's generally unconscious. Um, it's, it's more efficient than system two. Um, but it's also prone to biases and errors potentially because it's faster. Um, whereas system two is effortful, slow and controlled, uh, but it requires more energy um, and you can't make it work without like specific focus and attention. Um, but it can. Yeah, like so- S- System one is that, is that thing like where you're, you're doing karate and you're practicing these moves over and over and over again for someone when somebody really attacks you. And then one of your friends goes to like <laughs> put his hand on your shoulder and you just have an immediate response to like block the hand or something. Right. From like, cause it's just been built into your system one uh, uh, subconscious. Right. Like most of the time it's going to be useful, right? Like this is, this is the reason that, um, you know, we've survived as a species primarily. <laughs> um, but there's also going to be times. Mm-hmm. So tell me, so let's, let's circle this back to Legion. Tell me if you've ever done this. Um, it's your turn to go, right? It's your turn to activate something and you just instinctively reach into your bag and pull out a token. And then you're like, and then you're like, crap, yep. I didn't want to pull a token. I wanted to go with my face up order on Luke or whoever. Um, that's, that's an example of a system one response where you needed to 
like slow it down a little bit and use system two thought to do something intentional, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, I have a, a similar example as you'll, you'll be thinking about a plan and then like, you'll just pull the token anyway. Yep. <laughs> Cause you yeah. just, you just lost your focus and you re you reverted to system one, which and was I, I need I've, to execute the actions of the game. <laughs> right. And I've actually noticed like when I'm playing um, separatists and you've got your face ups all on the table, like I actually, it makes me realize how much you revert to system one and you don't want to. Um, because like, there is no instinct of pull a bag from the token when you're playing separatist. Your tokens are all face up, and you can do whatever you want. So like, you know, it gets to my turn, and I'm like, I'm pausing, and my brain hits like an error four or four because I can't pull from the bag. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I have to actually think about this decision. Um, so it's like it's like forcing, you know, in that situation, it's forcing my brain into system two when it's not used to it. Um, and that's an indicator that like I, that's where I should be going in the first place, even when I'm not playing separatists. Does that make sense? That does make sense. It makes complete sense because you're you have um, played the game under a certain regime, right? And now you mm -hmm. have a new regime. Yep. Which is there is no token stack. Right. There is no spoon. So you don't have, you don't have room exactly. You don't have room to um, revert to the old yep. way of thinking. So um, I, I have a I have a piece of advice, by the way, for folks who are trying to engage their system two brains more thoroughly. Um, I think I I think I've started to do this automatically because or not maybe not automatically, but I've started to use a mantra to try to get myself into more system two modes of thinking. Is uh, I just say to myself, you know, concentrate on making the next best move, and that what that does is that encourages my brain to look at the table and start analyzing positions. And then making a deliberate effort to think out, okay, when my opponent's turn is over, what am I doing next? Rather than just writing the feeling of I'm in a game, I'm winning, or I'm in a game and I'm losing, and letting my um, emotions dictate that. And there, there are a couple ways where, you, like, you can sort of um, there are a couple things, simple things that you can do to kind of push your important tactical decisions onto system two. And the first is to just like essentially free up memory for it um, in your brain. And you do that by getting reps. Like there, the system one is good for things like cohesion and measuring, um, you know, and, and putting your dudes in cover things that are, that um, like should be automatic when you're playing every time you activate something. Um, and like the more reps you get in, the more practice you get with the game, the more, you can sort of use your the automatic the autopilot part of your brain for those things and leave more uh, leave more RAM for your focused thought. Um, so it's really important to get reps in uh, as much as possible, not just so you become comfortable with your list, but also so that you can sort of push those mechanics and on the autopilot. Um, and I can build on that example, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Before you move on to example number two, yep, um, when we started playing with medics. Um, now suddenly there were two special units in my groups or in my, my squads. And so I had to like be extra careful not to just system one it because I would, I just had like monumentally more errors in cohesion because suddenly I had a, I had a six unit or six uh, person unit rather than a five person unit. And I mean, I was still applying general rules, but I was still vulnerable because I hadn't gone back to reevaluate what my system one type thinking was doing in that moment. So that's just that's just one example. Like you should you need to get the reps because 
you want it to be automatic, but consider, I think, like evaluate whether you can afford to be automatic. <laughs> Does that yeah, make sense? Right. Yep. Um, and the other thing is to sort of uh, try and, it, and this is hard, definitely, but try and push your emotions out of the game um, because uh, your system one responses are often essentially biased by emotion. Um, and an example also of this is like tilt, right? Yeah, this is, we're talking about tilt. So an example of this is like a bad dice roll, right? There is there is absolutely nothing that you can do about it. There are there there are no decisions you can make, or actions that you can take that changes the result of that roll, right? But it can nonetheless still impair your thinking, um, by like tweaking your emotions. And really, what you should do in that situation is take the results, you know, pick up your dudes that died, or put down your wound tokens, or whatever, assess your new situation, and move on. Um, but you know, it's very natural in that situation to, uh, like be upset about what happened. Like if you just get diced, um, but mm -hmm. you're going to, uh, you're going to impair your ability to recover from that. If you let your, have you ever played against a, sorry, have you ever played against a Boba Fett and you just, you, you think about shooting him and you're like, I just going to save it anyway. Yep. Like that's a classic example of, of letting the dice tell you. Well, and it's it's also potentially a past experience tilting you because I'm I'm sure that if you have that reaction, that means that there was some time in the past where you where you pumped a lot of shots into Boba Fett and he just kept rolling paint repeatedly. Right. Um, so it discourages you from making what is actually those factors aside the the correct decision. Correct. Yep. Which is shoot yeah, shoot him. <laughs> right. Right. You're letting you're letting a previous uh, you know, um potentially like uh, uncharacteristically unlucky experience bias your thought um, into doing something that is that is not advantageous to you. So, um, yeah. Well, so I know. Yep. You got any thoughts on all this, Jay? I know this is kind of an academic subject, but what are you saying? I'm not an academic. Screw you, Kyle. <laughs> no. Just hey, hey man, you said F math first. <laughs> yeah. You did. Um, no, I think this is, yeah, I did. I don't like math. Um, but I think this is something that I've kind of, without getting detailed into the academic side, is something I've always preached was like, hey, when you get a list, don't keep changing the list like until you've played at least five to 10 times, right? And like that's the only way you're going to become good is if you just keep playing the list over and over again even a list that may not be great for for other players but just speaks to you if you just keep playing it like you're going to find ways to do well with it because i think you'll just you'll be in that system one uh setting because you know you'll know your cards you'll know your units you know what they can handle you know what they can do in certain uh situations and so that all just kind of goes into automatic mode and then you can sit there and think about the larger game as a whole and how you're going to win this particular game that you're in now while you're doing all the other stuff just kind of on autopilot yeah i mean and if you look back like reflection is an important part of this too like every single game um that i've lost you can like i can always attribute to some kind of high level strategic decision um like I like I've never been diced in the sense that uh you know there was a game that I would have won 
uh, if a role went a different way. And I also could not have made decisions better, like on the strategic level. Um, and I think, I think that's generally true of most games, but unless you're a reflecting, but B trying to push as much of those like important strategic decisions into focus thought, um, you know, like you might, you might chalk up a loss to dice when in fact, like there is a, some strategic consideration that you just didn't even think about um, because you, you can, you know, you'd like, you didn't push your brain into that focus thought at the right moment. I have a relevant example yet again. <laughs> I, I feel, <laughs> you, go um, okay. So let's say you are at the end of a game and there's a melee unit with a standby that's threatening one of your box carriers your box carrier doesn't actually have to perform any actions on its turn. <laughs> but your system one thinking might say, well, I guess I have to do a couple actions now. And the answer is actually, if you look at the picture, you, you, there is an alternative. You don't have to act. You can just sit still. Most people don't think that that's an option, but units can pass their turn because they can perform up to two actions. So Right, which includes, includes zero actions. Correct. And so you can avoid... A standby that way but that doesn't come up frequently so your system when thinking might trap you into thinking you have to perform actions but really you don't and that very nearly cost me a pretty important game at um at a lvo and in fact i actually bit i bit and i didn't um i didn't get punished but in hindsight i could have just stood still <laughs> but that was yep, a you know, like i had no i didn't even think that i could just pass <laughs> And that's a good example of a situation where like, like it's not common. Um, right. But it also in that particular instance, wasn't like a critically important moment in that game. And when that happens, you need to like slow it down and, and yep. push your, push yourself into focus thought. Uh, Even at the end of situation 10 hours of playing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And this is like legitimately challenging to do, um, which is why we're talking about it. Uh, but it's also why reps are so important. So the shorthand advice here is play more games. <laughs> well, and I, I and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I've been kind of coming to this place lately where I'm I'm against changing lists so frequently. And I think we're getting in sucked into this kind of trap lately where all this new stuff is coming out, like what's the new hotness? And so we end up switching it up and then maybe we get more of a defeatist attitude because like, let's say Tauntauns came out and you're like, I'm going to fly Tauntauns at this next RPQ I'm going to. And then you get obliterated because because you just weren't good enough at Tauntauns yet. And then you're like, well, they suck. Well, but the answer really is that in this kind of system one, two decision-making that you hadn't done enough uh, repetition to make it muscle memory for most of it to stay in system one so that you could move to system two. And so I think my takeaway from this and where it relates to Legion is build a list, put a lot of thought into building a list and then play the list at least 10 times before you make a decision on whether or not you're going to move forward with it. If you know, if you have that opportunity. Yeah, don't like switch factions and go into a tournament cold and decide that you're getting that's, those are going to be your first games with that faction. I wouldn't recommend that. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at um, uh, if you look at the lists I take to tournaments, man, like my list since LVO has not fundamentally changed. Like until now, I like if you if you mm-hmm. take LVO as my starting point, it was eleven activation Luke Leia, went to Adepticon, ten activation Luke Leia with Pathfinders, um, uh, Gen Con. 10 activation Luke Leia with six Z's and two snipers. Like it fundamentally never yep. changed because it was what I knew I could play at the absolute limit of my ability. And that's yeah. pretty much and what that- Jay is talking about here. Don't change immediately. You have to like really take a minute and just like say, did I just play it poorly? Did I just have a bad decision point, etc." Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's why we it's why we were constantly hammering that like the best list is the one that you're most comfortable with. Well, and I would say, and, and I don't know how many listeners are into sports, but it's it's like to make like a sports analogy. It's like okay, if you have LeBron James on your team, but you've lost a couple games, you don't take LeBron James off your team and switch him out for somebody else. You got to build the parts around him that make the team great. Right. And you keep practicing with all the different parts until they start working well together. And I guess part of what we end up doing, and I'm guilty of this too, is like, oh, the new hotness comes out like Krennic. I, you know, I had that 12 activation Veers list that I was doing, I felt very comfortable with. Krennic came out and I, all of a sudden I'm switching up my list. And so I think the thought is, maybe keep like David, you know, you're, you're still playing Luke Leia, like keep the major, your major stars who are, who are putting up all the points for you, but then changing the support staff around them in order to make the team great versus good or adequate. Right. And this is why I'm looking forward to operative Luke so much is because I think he has enough. um, I think he has enough resources and enough punch to actually take on triple Tauntaun and win. Because I think he just has enough tools to deal with it, and he's also, you know, with the reduction in points to rotaries, you know, um, you can also bring a little bit of armor behind him, which makes it even tougher for Tauntauns to really deal with. Because, uh, you know, Tauntauns can't cheese the engagement rolls when they go into melee with with armor; they are still vulnerable to being shot, and that's a huge, a huge benefit to that. Plus, Luke, you know, with tenacity, has an eight dice attack, which should be enough to kill an injured Tauntaun squad just on his own. But um, more to the point, Jay, you're right. Like, I love Luke. Luke is a, a thing I love to play. I'm having to divert away from him because I just got a little bit tired of putting all my eggs into one basket. And I also think that Commander Luke currently is pretty solved. Um, people know how to deal with him extremely well. Um, but Operative Luke is going to bring some new toys and change the the calculus on that a little bit. And uh, maybe we'll see Rebels swing back to non-Tauntaun lists because of, of Operative Luke. But the, the fundamental point is is the same. It's that I didn't think Luke could could handle it, and so I switched. But if I thought Luke could handle it, I'd still play Luke because it's what I like to do, and it's what I know. And if I don't have to learn a huge plethora of new strategies, which, you know, playing Tauntauns, I've had to. I've had to adapt my tactics completely away from the normal, you know, defensive gun line because that's what tauntauns were designed to do was break that meta um but uh luke may herald a a return of that because he is i i think a linebacker on the order of a palpatine 
a linebacker strong enough to actually just handle the tauntauns on his own with the assistance yep. of some crit surgeon rotaries, maybe. Well, and his his new command cards, particularly um, Stricker Master Well, is uh, excellent against tauntauns. Yeah, there are some awesome awesome tricks you can pull with that, which we can explore in more de- detail during our episode on Operative Luke specifically. Yeah, there's so many ridiculous uses for that card. It's yeah, like I mean, I think it might be the most flexible command card uh, in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's also I also read it again, and I was just amazed to find that that was a free action. Yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. crazy. You have some crazy. It's not. It's like a yeah, better really pull good. the strings. <laughs> well, it, you know, uh, it's, yeah, sort of. It's um, you can only do it once per game, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you do it, it's going to be pretty important. So yeah, it's going to be like game defining, possibly. Yep. So um, even more home runs to hit uh, now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another home run. It's uh, got to be a hit. <laughs> yep, for sure. But operative looks pretty good at hitting them. So. Yep. Um. All right. Uh, you guys want to talk about points rebounds? Sure. No. No, I'm just, no? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see uh, what you guys would do if I was like, no. <laughs> well, you wrote an article about a lot of the points rebalances, Kyle. I did. So let's let's move on to our uh, competitive slash tactics section. Get ready for advanced tactics. See there, see there, Jay? I, I, I left a space for the drop, and I didn't even say something that you had to edit it over. Just how mature we are all right so for, so, for that so maybe right that there yep <laughs> no, he's gonna leave it in. i know that's why i said it um all right let's uh let's talk about the points for balance so i um i wrote an article where i basically gave my takes on um all or most of the changes except for the eweb which i apparently forgot um <laughs> I I uh, have you. a historically well documented. Yeah, I have a historically well documented, um, potentially unreasonable dislike for the eweb. So uh, it wasn't like even in my brain because like it's not a unit that exists in my brain. So I wrote the article and then like <laughs> like uh, Kevin from Imperial Discipline was like, "What about the eweb?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's a thing." I'd like to start um, with the eweb then, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> all right, Jay. You heard it here so, first. Uh, what do you think of the? You have not a unit. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Jay. What do you well, think? So here, let's let's talk about what sure. changed with respect to it right. first. You want me to do that? Or oh do you well, want to go ahead. Is, yeah. yeah. No man, eweb is eweb is all you. This is this. I have not heard of this unit, so I'd like to hear about it. <laughs> um, you know, so the main thing with the eweb is now it's able to move, move if it wants, which is uh, kind of a big deal with eWebs at this point, right? Um, before, for instance, you could only move once, and that was frustrating, uh, especially if you got a rough deployment or. You know, you knew you had to, you know, mainly the, the thought behind the eWebs is you're going to try to position them in a place on the on the board to get into a fire lane to kind of protect an area or to use them as kind of a distraction. Uh, they're very good at distracting your opponent and your opponent starts to focus down on them while the rest of your army 
can get into the next position to hold the objectives. Uh, and that was always tough because they were slow and it was hard to get them positioned correctly. So unless you got a good deployment for them, turn one, generally turn one was a wash for them. It was just you trying to get into a position. And then maybe if you're lucky, turn two, you'd be in a position where you could get a standby. But then by that time, your opponent usually already had the beat on where you were heading. So, you know, they were kind of ready for it anyways. Um, But with the errata here, the move, being able to move twice during a turn, I think really opens up really opens up the field to the e-webs and allows you to get them into position faster for a turn two protection uh, mode, I think. Let's not forget also that e-webs were one of those units that were utterly hated out by the infinite range firepower that Leia and triple snipers brought. Yes. I had, I had games where it was literally bombard sniper sniper. Thanks for the 55 points. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah, this, the sniper errata definitely helps them a lot. Um, but I would even think if that, you know, I think being able to to dump, to move and to get into position helped with that as well. So really, you know, I think some of the rebalance on the other cards helped them. Um, and then the barrage generator, or both generators, right, dropped three points. Um, eh, I, I don't know. I don't really care about that as much, but it was okay. It's a nice little card with, especially if you're running Veers with Imperial Discipline. Um, you know, the Barrage Generator, especially, it adds Suppressive and Dice. Um, so if you've got an E-Web that's actually like in a useful position, mm-hmm. which is easier to do than it was before, um, then, you know, you're throwing some extra Dice and Suppressive, and you can refresh it with Discipline. Um, you can also give them orders now with Shores, yeah. so they're... They're they're helped they're being helped indirectly by a lot of things that have nothing to do with the fact that they lost plotting. You know, you talked about the sniper nerfs, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a minute. In a minute. Um, well, and I would even there's actually a lot. Of, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kyle. I was going to say there's a lot of units that are helped by those, which we'll talk about also. Um, but in addition to that, you know, the shore troopers existing. Um, you know, they have coordinate placement, which is obviously not just the mortar; they can do that to e-webs too. Um, so. Yeah, uh, I would say the the other thing that I've kind of been looking forward to that the reason I'm kind of on barrage generator is because building a list with three shore troopers and three mortar troopers, um, you can use fire support with the mortar troopers and tie that into an e-web and add three white dice with suppressive. It's kind of good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're still like losing a suppression that way, um, but because you're combining two attacks into one. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you could do that. Um, we talked about a lot about fire support on the mortar, um, about three or four episodes ago now. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, you could do that. I think I think fire support on the mortar, particularly, is kind of a trap sometimes. Well, we're also so, missing we rehash our whole conversation. We're also missing the whole. Um the whole fact that the e-web is a cheap crit surge platform that can throw more than two dice at range three and um you know is also a range three standby so if you're running against you know triple tauntauns it significantly affects your ability as a tauntaun player to get in if the um opposing player is able to issue standbys with to it such as you know deploy the garrison or um just having priority with voracious 
and issuing a standby token. And, uh, you know, crits don't care about dodges, which is the Tauntaun's main way of avoiding damage. Okay. Is dodge tokens. So there, there's an important uh, timing consideration when it comes to Agile, um, and that's that uh, after effects like Agile and Relentless and Steady and Charge, um, you know, they occur after the move, but there are two things that explicitly occur before those after triggers, uh, and those are detonate and standby. So if you have an E-Web with a standby token um, and a Tauntaun wanders into your standby, uh, you can shoot it with the E-Web before it gains its dodge token from Agile. Um, and the same is true of um, saboteurs with detonate. If a Tauntaun wanders into range of a bomb, you can blow that bomb up before it gains its dodge token from Agile. So um, yeah. keep that in mind if you're playing sabs or anything with standby against Tauntauns. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've i always loved E-Webs. Um, I had kind of dropped them in recent months. But with this change, I'm I'm back. I'm high on them again. And I'd like to point out that Kyle hates them so much that uh, even after people pointed out he didn't put them in his article, he still hasn't updated his article to include them. So just <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Old rank handicap, new rank handicap. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't actually think that's true. Um, I don't even think they were before. I think they're pretty viable now, actually. Um, uh, so we'll see. I might even I might even play around with one myself. We'll have to see. Blasphemy. Uh, and, <laughs> and they're, they're I, I only, doubt it. you know, they're only. Yeah, I, you're probably right. Um, I love. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I I don't know. I just I don't like things that are slow and don't move my uh, my fd cannon um, veterans wave high to your e-web snow troopers uh, yeah yeah i uh, from my shelf uh i don't know maybe i just hate e-webs because i actually like snow troopers and palpatine and i i don't mind the new range five FD which either, is funny so because maybe just irrationally hate i was e-webs. just gonna say that palpatine actually gives e-webs you know even more play because you can you can pull the strings on this crit shot you know there's probably better things you can pull the strings yep. with like short troopers. Yeah, like short troopers. <laughs> I mean, oh man, I we'll talk about yeah, Well and, we'll and, do, and we'll do Kyle for your perfect activation control. Like I've always like uh palpatine with E webs and then getting rapid reinforcements is like my favorite <laughs> my favorite combination. Oh wow. Because you can you could play entire Legion turn one and you rapid reinforce the E webs. So then you know exactly when they're um, going to go yep. and where you want them to go. Yep, and they can drop them last. Where yeah, safest. that's a great use of entire legion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I've actually done a couple times. Um, you just gotta, you guys just gotta make sure all your guys are actually in range of Palpatine. There was one game where I got rapid reinforcements, and I was I was so excited about doing that trick, and I left one sniper out of my uh, out of my out of Palpatine's oh, range. No. Three. So, so I had I had my snow troopers. I had my snow troopers and the sniper in the back and it's like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't great, but uh, yeah, entire Legion trick with rapid. Um, all right. Let's, let's, uh, so we got a lot of units and upgrades to plow through here. So let's talk about the biggest. What one. if you just like lightning round might as well lead with like, what if you just name the thing and then we put like, around, like, compress our thoughts into like 30 seconds. I like that. I don't know about thirty seconds, especially okay. on this one, but yeah, I like lightning round. Let's, sure. Let's just, uh, let's do snipers. Just first. name it. Okay, snipers. 
Uh, definitely needed. All right, lightning rounds, sniper. Definitely needed. Range five is well. Cool. Let's talk about what changed. Okay, first. okay, sure. Yeah. So uh, the strike team themselves, not the sniper rifle, but the strike team got plus four points. Um, one of the only two things that actually got a point increase, the other being stems. Um, and then the sniper rifle range was reduced from unlimited to five, which is a new thing. You want to talk about that? Yeah, new range ban means uh, snipers are no longer shooting other snipers, generally speaking, which it's like a, hit, a stealth buff, kind of. Um, it is more expensive. Um but at the same time, it's sort of like now I can now I can shoot you from safety. You just need to make sure you get the open cover shot because you know you're still spending 48 points on an activation that may do nothing half the time. Um, but anyway, uh, snipers I think needed the change. Um, it's nice to have you know cheaper options. It makes the the sort of naked uh, core unit look a lot better as a, a cheap activation option. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, snipers still, I think, have a place. I think a, the one of now has a real place in lists because now you have a unit that can do back objectives and influence the middle from their from their uh, rear position. And you still have corner peeking well, available I, to you. It's, they didn't change that. Yeah, and, Right, and I, I actually think the biggest change as it relates to snipers um, with respect to the range five is that like, if you want to take one or two snipers, that's that's way safer and more viable than it was before, simply because like, you know, with unlimited range and snipers shooting snipers, if you took one sniper and you went up against someone else with three, he was just yeah, gonna die. you were completely outmatched and could yeah. not actually play with that unit. It, it was just right. Points but now, right, but now there's like essentially a situation. You know, a likely outcome here is that you've got your two like front lines, right, and your front lines are going to be at roughly range three of each other. Um, and then your snipers are going to be behind those front lines and they're going to be in range of your opponent's front line, but probably not in range of your opponent's back line, which is going to be, you know, other snipers and things like mortars. Um, so like, if you want to take one sniper, you can probably take that one sniper and he can do like back objectives and also throw some dice at your opponent's front line and still be relatively safe from your opponent's snipers. Yeah. He can do my favorite part of Um, snipers. There's two, there's two like of my favorite parts of the strike team which were not engaging in the sniper war. One is stripping standby from beyond a standby range. Two is finishing off wounded, finishing off unit leaders and making sure you get that kill. Yep. If you get the hits, you know, Pierce just means that unit leader is gone. And especially against yep. clones and especially against empire, making sure those unit leaders die is crucial. Uh, mm-hmm. Clones, especially with our token share, are going to be um, positioned to hold on to their points. And so you need that sort of tool in your arsenal. Anyway, yeah, for sure. Um, I so I think there. So I I don't I don't want to. If you want to read the article and go into like the old, I did like a ranking scale with competitive ranks and stuff. Um, I don't want to go into that super super much here in the podcast. But um, I think these guys are still competitive. They're they're definitely not a like mandatory anymore like they almost were previously. Um, but I think you can take one or two, um, or even you know in the right list three of them and, and they'll still be great and useful. Um, the thing that, you know, the range five is still ultimately a nerf, like it, it does limit their ability to affect, you know, the opposite side of the battlefield, which previously like, uh, you know, I've won, I've won games just because a sniper, like sniped a backfield box carrier or something like that. Um, in fact, my game with John Grasser at Nova, um, 
like I, I was I was sort of losing early, and I essentially like um, used a sniper to kill uh, one of his backfield units that was doing evaporator, and he wasn't able to fully um, like repair that evaporator and that allowed me to essentially get back in the game but it was it was lengthwise you know there's no way with range five that i would have been able to make that shot um and that's that's going to be a thing that snipers can't really do anymore is like sort of steal those back objectives from your opponent with snipes yeah the Um, the cross map clutch shots are gone there's no more of those yep right that's so that's that's definitely a nerf to them um the four points definitely hurts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think trying to build a Palpatine list. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Um, I well, think trips can still be decent, but I, uh, it's it's definitely harder to do than it used to be. You know, four points doesn't feel like it's a lot, but it actually is a lot. Yeah, twelve is fairly um, significant change uh, when you yeah. consider triple. Um, yeah. But I think they're still they're still good. Like you know, they're still a cheap activation. They can still contribute meaningfully. Um, range five is still really far. That's farther than anything else in the game. Yeah. Can shoot still. So with your um, uh, with your move shoot, that's still like thirty five inches, right? It's three feet. It's a lot of table. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, they're still good. I, I definitely don't think you know people have been like, oh, snipers are dead now. I, I definitely don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't think they're dead. I just think that I just think that right now bidding for limited visibility is actually more effective. But that's just that's a whole other discussion. If you, and if you don't have snipers, bidding for limited visibility oh, is yeah, like yeah. requisite uh, and is actually more effective general strategy. Just because I'm on the I'm on the trend where I think the power level in this game is ramping up such to the point where you cannot afford to have activations do nothing. Like that's the next level of optimization is uh, that, and that you never have an activation that's wasted. Like you can't afford to yeah, fall behind okay. on tempo that way. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is, this is just talking at the absolute highest level of play. We're not talking about, you know, um, you know, your general experience. Anywho. Yep. Um, yeah. Snipers um, needed it and they're still usable. Very, very usable. They're just, you know, they're different. And I think that's the right amount of, of nerf bat. You know, you don't want to, like when you nerf something, you don't want to hit it so hard that it just becomes something that nobody takes anymore. Um, so I think. Yeah, I mean, Alex yeah, and Luke said as much, right? Yeah, they don't want to resign those units to the shelf. Right. Yeah. So um, I think it's, I think it's good. Um, you got any thoughts, Jay? Snipers? Jay is, uh... um, I think it just, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Um, no, I think it was, I think it was good. Cause I think there's a lot of units that look more attractive now because snipers are, there's still a threat, but less of a threat. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Let's talk about sabs real quick. Cause they're also affected by this strike team point increase. Um, they did not get any, uh, like errata. As, as, you know, their weapon and stuff is still works exactly the same. They just had that point increase to the strike team, which is plus four. And also stims went up. We can talk about stims too at, at the same time. Um, stims went up by four points, and that was a very popular upgrade on sabs. So uh, essentially, the at least the old way of fielding sabs increased by eight points. What do you guys think of this? Uh, well, stims were pretty abusive. Um and so were um, 
stim saboteurs. I mean, it's not that they were impossible to overcome. I had to beat a list like that at Gen Con. Um, but if you, uh, if you have a really good map and you're able to secure blue, um, they're pretty hard to get around. And I don't think they're unusable. I think you can still play triple saboteurs with a few small adjustments. I think it was the fact that you could play triple saboteurs and integrate them in a fully streamlined way into a standard wonder twins list that I think was really the, um, that was really kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in a way. Um, you basically had this really amazing tech defensively and that could also generate value on offense if your bombs landed in the right spot and the top rebel list, which was Luke Leia essentially lost no speed incorporating it. And so I think in, in the long run, um, you know, we might come to view pre-nerf Luke Leia saboteurs as the best possible rebel list given infinite time and resources to prepare for tournament. Um, but I think with the changes, it, it definitely got harder to field it. And so that discourages, it, it basically breaks the whole, like your whole ability to spam these units because it used to be 150. And now with the changes, it's 74, I think. Is that how, how far it went up? Cause you have eight for the eight, four yeah, from the strike so team, four from the, yeah, so you lose 24 points trying to do it, which is the size of a medic and change. And that's that's a right. problem now, for in the theory, in, in theory, that's true. One thing, um, so you can't talk about, talk about Sabs without talking about Daniel Lupo, who um, yeah. you know, went to Worlds with him. And, yeah, who um, ran that list. Anyone, anyone that... Yeah, and anyone that um, says, like, oh, no, Sabs were fine. They didn't need any, any changes. Um, anyone... That has, says that hasn't played against Lupo, <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, but anyway, like he made the point, like you actually in practice you end up keeping one guy, one of your sab teams back anyway, so that you have like a trigger man. If your other two die, you still need to be able to blow up bombs. So you essentially just cut one of your stim upgrades, um, you know, and use him as your trigger man, and then you just take two stims instead of three. So. Um, you know, the cost, if you do that, the cost to field three sabs only went up by 12 points. Um, you know, because the cost to field the three strike teams went up by 12 and the cost to field your two stims went up by four each for eight. But then you're cutting a stim, which is minus eight. So like your net cost increase is just 12, which is the same as it was for sniper strike teams. Um, right. So, I mean, this is just one method to soften the blow. But at the same time, um, my... I don't know if I should let this out. My my inner cynical competitor says um, it's a nerfed unit. Don't play it. Like that's just maybe that's a system one reaction. I don't know. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's true. I, there's actually a lot of list crafting I've been doing that incorporates sabs now. Um, there's there's a couple things I think that indirectly also help them, particularly rebel sabs. Uh, we'll talk about Chewy in a second and the FD, but I think both of those things help sabs for different reasons. Um, but I think there's, I think they're still fine. Uh, you know, I don't know that they're, um, there's still a very high skill cap unit. So like, you know, uh, prepare, it's not going to be any different. 
like if you're putting them on the table for the first time, it's there's going to be a steep learning curve. But I think they're still competitive. Yeah, I mean, you still have to pay a small tax, but that's just it. Like, I think ultimately the change the change from the old list is you don't run the officer fluid anymore. You just run a regular Z6. And I think that pays for the change yep. with, with yeah, cutting can, one stem. Right. And yeah. And you can essentially do still the same thing. You can still yeah, get it used to be, you could, activations. You can still run. Right. It used to be, you could threat saturate with you Luke fleets with an officer and three sabs. Like that was pretty crazy amount of threat you could generate. Yep. All right, so those are those are probably the two biggest changes because strike teams were um, uh, probably the you know the two like biggest nerfed well they were the only nerfed units um, and then the stims upgrade. Um, do you guys want to talk about stims upgrade real quick since we briefly touched on it with Sabs as it relates to like other uses of stims? Yeah, I I kind of um, I liked this change because I found. E-stims, uh, was just it was just so easy to add to a list, and you could just incorporate it in there, and it it just changed so much in a game, right? Whether it's on the Sabs or whether it's on Luke or Sabine or what have you, like it oh it always just made or or Boba there for a while. It just always seemed to really affect games, and so I think it needed the point increase in order for it to be more reasonable yeah i mean i just echo what alex and luke said it was like certain heroes one extra round is the difference between victory and defeat and it's kind of unrewarding to the player that that really just played better when you have this opportunistic you know use of a use of a particular upgrade that kind of eclipses all other potential upgrades in that slot because of the reward that you get you know so like an extra round with your 150 plus point character versus any other gear like that's definitely still a consideration even at 12 points but it's still a a hard to swallow pill i think for some of the lesser heroes like han for example to throw a you know to increase his cost by 10 percent by throwing emergency stems on him but i mean yeah, yeah it was it was just definitely... an ubiquitous upgrade Yeah, especially for Luke, Sabine, and Boba Fett. Um, this is this is you know a lot of people are like, well, why why weren't there any changes to you know Luke, Sabine, Boba Fett, and Bosk? Yeah, why didn't Force kind of Push like, get a get a points increase? Yeah, and uh, Luke actually answered that specific question very eloquently um, on our cast last week. So if you want to hear that straight from the horse's mouth, uh, you know, just listen to that. But um, uh, the short answer is like Sims is an indirect nerf to Luke specifically. Anyway, and like you said, I think people are getting better at quote like sort of solving him. You know, he's kind of been outpaced by their tools anyway. Like not that he's bad; he's still an excellent. No, he's still amazing. Um, But I I think in the context of where we are now with the game, um, I don't think he needed a bump. No. Um. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, you guys want to do lightning? Yeah, round just just throw names out, and we'll just give you our thoughts. All right. All right. Uh, so minus twenty points, uh, down to one ten. Duck and cover minus four points, down to four. Love it. Um, definitely needed. Definitely more appropriate to her current power level. 
still going to get chopped in half by lightsabers. Um, and still has, in my opinion, uh, lackluster command cards for what you're paying for what's essentially a support hero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, she's she's a really fun I, character. Uh, and so I, it, I love Complete the Mission. Like, those are great cards. Complete the Mission specifically. I, I always felt like we were just missing something with her, so I'm hoping the, the points decrease will allow players to start putting her in lists and maybe we could see what we're missing. That's always been my thought. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was necessary. I think um, sort of similar to Chewie, who we'll talk about next, I think she's got other issues that have nothing to do with her point cost. Um, you know, her command cards are super situational. She doesn't do anything that, like, directly helps other Rebel units, which are is something that all of the other Rebel characters do. Um, and she's costed, like, a offensive hero, but she has very poor offense. So... Um, you know, I, I don't know that this, like, it certainly makes, like, she's still really good at recover and breakthrough. She's still very difficult to kill with ranged chip damage. Um, and now she can be good at those things for cheaper. So I think it's, I think that's good, but. Um, she's an extremely we'll strong I, support. I still have difficulty fitting her in. Yeah, she's an extremely strong support for Courage 2 heroes because she's a, a really cheap Courage 3 bubble now. And, um, you know, duck and cover got cheaper too. So the things that make her tick, so to speak, to get her up to the high level of danger sense that she needs to actually start repelling damage later on in the game. Um, you know, those are all made her very good, but, um, you know, the only card, like you said, the only card of hers that really truly buffs other units in, in any significant way is, um, complete the mission because it can make those three face ups, um, immune essentially to the effects of suppression for a turn which you know it definitely applies to a number of units especially fleet troopers in particular and perhaps bistan if he has a fully charged danger sense and he doesn't want to lose it he can just recover without removing suppression because of complete the mission mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I think like i think her real value now is she's a cheap courage three commander that has a range three piercing gun that maybe you can fire support <laughs> Yeah, which is no small thing. Like her gun is is fine. It's reliable. Um and that courage three bubble is also very important. Um I but you know, I, I think I made the joke on the Discord. Um uh I think she's a good pairing for Luke, either version of Luke. Because you can I can <laughs> I always make a make a point about I hate cutting command cards. Well with her I think um that I could feel all six of of Luke's command cards and not feel bad about it. <laughs> Um, I know that other people don't feel the same way about Jin's cards, but uh, I would take all six of Luke's cards before I started taking any of. I mean, I gotta put her list. back on the table. I don't know, man. CTM, CTM needs another look. It's like I know this is good. How do I make it good? And the answer is probably I have to fight a chronic list because um, it specifically negates the effects of suppression. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like something with all these changes is that. Um, you know, a lot of these units, particularly like the T-47 and the ATST, just haven't seen table time since uh, really probably like last year. Um, and now that they've gotten sort of new life with these points drops, I think people are going to have like sort of forgotten what they do. <laughs> like, I'm going to run up against an ATST. I'm going to be like, what do I do with this thing? I haven't seen an ATST in months. Yeah. Um, 
Also, so, presuming that you know, I think the same is true of Jen. Like she just. Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, yeah, I think I mean you made this point already, essentially, but I think she's got some tools that were previously just not utilized because she was too expensive. Um, and maybe now we'd see some more clever uses of those tools now that now that it's easier to fit her in. Yeah, that was that was all I was really going to say. Next, Chewy, okay. um, minus fifteen points. Yay! I'm so glad that he got a points drop. He was just a pain to use at one ten, and uh, ninety five is is I think a lot more appropriate for him. Um, still kind of hard to use, uh, just because Guardian is hard to use against crit generation. Um, definitely have looked at him with the new costing really tough because you look at Chewbacca and he's his point starts with a nine and you're like, why am I not just taking a Tauntaun right now? Um, there's definitely, <laughs> definitely a strain of thinking that goes like this because right now the major threats in the game are, are more melee than they are ranged. And so guardians value is being called into question a little bit here. Um, still good at resisting snipers, although snipers got a nerf. Um, Still good at, at uh, funneling attrition wounds and keeping the, the durability of your squads higher uh, because they're not losing dudes and so your averages stay higher. Um, still needs tenacity to get his melee weapon to a place where it's actually threatening. Four red by itself doesn't really get much done. Five red, on the other hand, uh, can actually kill trooper squads in one hit if you get lucky. Uh, the bowcaster still sucks shooting into heavy cover. Uh, even with the crit surges, you're still kind of crit fishing. Uh, if you just took Chewie by himself mm -hmm. in a list, he's not quite enough to kill vehicles. So, you know, it's a, it's a problem if you just take him by himself. If he, you know, he's kind of wasted in a tauntaun against tauntauns, but he's, uh, you know, he's still sort of threatening. And also, when he's enraged, you can't strip the standby with shooting. So, there is that. A standby Chewy versus a Tauntaun charge, not the worst. Yeah, I think definitely this was another one that was necessary. And I think similar to Jin, um, he's got other issues like uh, vulnerability to bounty and, you know, essentially like lack of his own command cards that this doesn't really fix. Um, but I think he's, the points drop helps, and he's also getting some help from, like, I think, so. There's more crits in the game, which makes Guardian less useful. But there's also more units on the Rebel roster that are worth protecting with Guardian, and particularly ones that have gotten buffs in this update, like um, uh, Veterans, uh, NFT turrets, and also Pathfinders. Um, so I we'll see. I I uh, I think there are definitely there's definitely some interesting uses of Guardian that probably haven't been explored in a while. Um, but um, you know. Yeah, we'll see. It's it was necessary. It makes him easier to field. Um, I think he's still very situational, but I could see him being. Um, so we, earlier we talked about Sabs. You know, Chewy is a great protector of Sabs with Guardian, and now he's fifteen points cheaper. So yep. Um, you know, ar arguably, if you were running Sabs with Chewy before, you know, you cut that stem, so your Sabs are plus twelve, but Chewy's minus fifteen. So your your previous Chewy Sab list got cheaper by three points. Yeah, I just have trouble reconciling the fact that Chewbacca with tenacity costs the same as a Tauntaun with a jammer and tenacity. So, 
<laughs> yeah. I, it's tough to argue yeah, against that. Well, well, and that's the struggle with any rebel unit right now. Yeah, like, I mean, like you're like we, we the ton, the Tonton is a bushel. Yeah, so he's right? he's exactly one Chewy, bushel. Chewy is, is <laughs> yeah, Chewy is a bushel, and you know maybe you should just take a bushel instead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, uh, Darth Vader minus ten points, saber throw minus five, force reflexes minus five. Yeah, Commander Vader needed all those changes. I think he wasn't seeing enough play, and now he's going to see a lot of play with the new command cards in the mix, plus these changes to force power costs. I mean, those are all like targeted him, essentially. Right. To make him cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's collectively, you know, the quote-unquote traditional version of Commander Vader, where you had push, throw, and reflexes, got 20 points cheaper, and he's also getting three more command cards. Which, a little bit unlike Operative Luke, is a straight buff insofar as like you weren't taking commander vader with another character right so those three new vader cards are replacing ambush push and assault yep um just straight up because there's no reason not generally speaking right right and generally speaking in a vader list um you know there's not like another unit that you super care about having orders on besides vader himself for the most part so Uh, it's not like you're losing much by losing, you know, by taking those operative cards that you can only order Vader. You're just you're gaining the text effects and you're losing nothing essentially. Right. Um, so yeah, I think uh, <laughs> collectively, um, you know, the operative Vader expansion and then these points drops are a huge buff to Commander Vader, um, which I think is good. Like he's the most iconic villain in Star Wars, um, so uh, he should be on the table. Yeah, um, infiltrate into Master of Evil, pretty good. Into yeah, and dead, dead men because uh, doesn't he get a scout move off that infiltrate <laughs> to to get him a head start? Yeah, so he he's does. got wow. So yep. he gets he gets to triple move turn one and then master of evil. That's so good. Yeah, seems good. Yeah, and then you know put. I think I think you definitely want to run him now with choke. Oh uh, heck yeah! Instead, well, we can argue free, about I think choke is important. but right. Free dead heavies. I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable. Yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect with either him or the operative version to be able to use choke six times in a game. Yeah, like you just mine value. I don't. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable at all to expect that. Yeah. So Vader's going to come back in a big way. Right. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I mean, as he should, right? Like Vader's supposed to be this big, bad, strong guy that I never felt that. Like you only felt that at times in Legion. And now I think with the new cards, the point reduction that you're going to be able to feel that again with him, you know, and I think that's the game needs that like a revitalization of the, of the original core set so that it feels like no matter what you take, you're going to, you're going to be competitive. Yep. Yeah. I think he is probably the, as far as like, distance on the scale goes um besides arguably uh you know the collective versions of the atrt i think he is he is without question the most affected unit by both the, the combination of this rebalance and then the upcoming releases specifically his um new command cards yep um and i agree with you guys i think that's i think that's a good thing all right speaking of Speaking of largely affected units, uh, T-47 Airspeeder, 140 points, minus 35. Um, Harpoon, 
three points minus seven, ground buzzer, ten points minus ten. Uh, also immune to range one weapons. Thoughts? Yeah, that that last one was interesting. Um, it's been a while since we've seen impact grenades. And so when they said that, I was like, what's that for? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, oh. impact grenades on snows. That was once a thing. It should still um, be a thing. Yeah. So- it should have still been a thing, but people decided to run frag grenades because vehicles got hated out. And I was just like, you fools, you need to bring this just in case. But then people got punished for that. Nobody, yeah. nobody listens to um, me. That's okay. But, I mean, hey, I I think the T-47... Minus its points was a great unit, and I think now with the the point reduction, it can be again. I I, I haven't figured out how to put it in a list yet, but I think someone. I've might. tried a couple things. It's just as the people I keep playing online like to run ATSTs, and the ATST still hard counters the airspeeder even with the cover pilot. Yeah, yeah the ATST is is with a twin light uh, blaster is like impact four. So your airspeeder is very sad after getting hit by that end of maximum firepower from Veers. Like it still has the problem of being a seven health unit with a white save with Surge. So, you know, even with the cover pilot, yeah, it, still, it makes it immune to ship fragile. damage. Yeah, but the concentrated fire of, you know, weapons built to kill you will just kill you. Like it's not invulnerable somehow or invincible. Yeah, and it's still like eight inches above the table, so it's not like you can hide it behind line of sight blockers. Yeah, I mean you're going to get hit by the um, full force of, of the of the gun. Yeah. Now that said, um, you know, thirty five points is a huge drop. Um, it still has a a decent front weapon with impact three. Um, it doesn't it doesn't hit quite as hard as the X thirty four Landspeeder, and they're about the same cost now. So I think like. If you're just looking for pure like anti-trooper killing firepower, um, you probably are still going to take the X-34. Now it's it's faster, um, it's a little bit tougher, and its anti-armor damage is much better. So like, you know, as an armor counter, I think it's it's actually pretty decent. No, the T-47 um, really finds but, its niche against the tank. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree, which seems appropriate. Yeah, right. tanks and ATRTs. Um, the T forty seven can handle. Getting, yeah, it'll wreck ATRTs, and the tank you're going to be able to get those side arc shots on it pretty easily because it's so fast. So you're going to, you know, it's impact four into the side of a tank. That's pretty. Yeah, good. it's probably going to do a couple damage at um, least. Yeah, but you know, we'll see whether it's enough to, you know, the weapon, <laughs> the weapons still are are butt facing, uh, and they're still hard to set up those shots. So. Um, We'll see if it's enough. It's definitely enough to move it out of the handicap category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's a, it's a unit you can basically. really take now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we're in a, we're in a brave new world of potentially more vehicles, and if that's the case, I think that also indirectly buffs the T forty seven because it's it's a decent vehicle hunter. So I mean, I felt a little bad for my friend who was running it with all TA, and then he just ran into my jammer tauntaun. <laughs> And it was oh. like, oh, no LTA. Guess what? Yeah. No, no ambush yeah, we'll for your either to kill my, time, but... my Pathfinders in the open. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, pretty nasty. Um, Tom's Jammer is brutal. Yeah, you can get away with a lot of nasty stuff, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, but let's uh, let's hit the other heavy first. ATST, 170 points minus 20. Oh, yeah, this thing is now a new lease on life. 
it's it's actually i think going to be a good it's going to be the centerpiece it, it should have been from wave one i think now with the changes and the pilot yeah it's got it's got good pilots now both of the empire pilots are really good on this thing um you know, people were already kind of messing around with those even before this points change. And then it's also getting link targeting array from the Clone Wars release, which is amazing. Yeah. And you also have pin down, you have multiple weapon systems to use pin down on it. And because face ups are really important now with strict orders and other effects relying on face up order tokens and removing those order tokens is just a really solid option. Um, it's really good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually really yeah, I think it's really interesting now for a variety of reasons. The the minus twenty points um, is really nice, but there's all these other things too that are indirectly helping it. So. And now with Astromex behind it, it really and takes it is, a commitment to kill it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. You can't just blink it to death anymore. Yeah, you have to be very deliberate about killing it. You have to like make a decision and just go full force into killing it. And it's it's also potentially an interesting medical now because it it has always wrecked vehicles. Um, and now that a lot of vehicles got, you know, drops and maybe we're going to see more vehicles, uh, the ATSD. Yeah. And, and also don't forget that unlike the tank, the ATSD has four red in melee. So if there are tauntauns in your grill, the ATSD can back up and kick them if need be. Yep. And if it's already in melee, it can shoot with its main gun and kick with arsenal too. So there is definitely play there. Uh, yeah, now you can't shoot the Tontons with the main gun because you can't... Um, yeah, that's what know, I was trying to say. Range, you can shoot something yeah. else with yeah. the main gun and then kick with uh, with your feet. Yep, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Jay? Yep. Uh, the same. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys said it all, yeah. Nothing but the best best analysis right here, folks. Yeah, hard hitting. <laughs> Jay's nodding off because it's almost eleven uh, at night where he is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we should. Uh, so we'll try an extra lightning around these last few yeah. um, ATRTs. Uh, all of the weapons are now twenty points. So that's a minus five drop for the flamethrower, ten for the rotary, and fifteen for the laser. Questionable buff to the laser. Huge buff to the rotary. That's huge. That means trip rotary lists are saving thirty points now. Yeah, yeah, rotaries are really good um, with this <laughs> drop. I, uh, I'd really like to see them make another break into the meta again. I, I always liked ATRTs. I thought they were a good unit, and now they're a great unit. So, yeah, I think this is. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of rotaries floating around. I, I'd agree that the laser cannon um, it was definitely necessary, but I think it it's going to suffer from the same problems it always has. Like if your opponent doesn't bring armor, you're still going to be real sad. I mean, range four crit surge was still decent in its time, but I just don't think it's enough anymore. No, it's not. And like, it doesn't have pierce or anything. So, and it's only three dice. So, like, if you're shooting something like a tank, um, which there's now going to be three of in a few months, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, sure, you might get three impact hits through, but like, if your opponent saves one or two of those, eh. yeah. But I mean, like, <laughs> think of it this way, right? The rebel, the rebel stuff has cover two from the cover pilot. The tank has red saves. Mm-hmm. The ATST is is you know still a good target. Other ATRTs are a good target. The AAT has a red save. Um, this the saber has outmaneuver. 
So and a red save, you know, and a red save. Or does it have a red save? Oh uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Know. Does it have a red save? I don't remember. But the point I is, it has, the point it has outmaneuver and token sharing. So, yeah. <laughs> problems. Yeah, it's uh right. It's you know for for seventy five points, something with three dice that is meant to be an armor counter feels like it should be sort of universally an armor counter, and it's really only still great against ATSTs and ATRTs. Uh, yeah. Then again, it's only seventy five so, points, so you know. Right. It's you know that's bargain basement, but yeah, uh, it should take at least a couple yeah, of them to kill an AAT, right? Yeah. 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 Um. All right, uh, rotary. We already talked about. That's really very good at that cost. Um, Flamethrower minus five. Um, it's great against droids <laughs> and against other rebels. Um, not against Tom I, don't know. I think I think it's possible. No, it's not, and I think it's that's probably why maybe you're just taking the rotary. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad. It's straight bad against Tontons, which you know, like you should anticipate running up against Tontons. Um, you know, they're kind of the thing that, like, if you're building a list for a tournament, that's one of the answers you need to have in your list. Um, so, yeah, I think of of these three, the rotaries, it's clear, like, anti-Tonton choice. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think these were all good drops, but I think the rotary is the clear winner here. Yeah, by, by a country mile. Yep. Uh, speeder bikes, minus 15 points, down to 75. That's so good. I, they're going to make, I think they're going to make a push with snipers being, uh, having their distance reduced to range five. I think speeder bikes are going to be back in, in, in style. I think. And yeah. I, I don't know about like back in style, but they definitely, that's a, that's a, a significant points drop and they're definitely like helped by the lack of, you know, potential lack of snipers now on the table. Well, and and I mean, think about this. I'm going to go back to the mortars again with the shore troopers doing a doing a uh, you know fire support with bikes and mortars. Kind of good. Yeah, uh, I don't know about the mortar fire support, but um, they dang still it, hit, Kyle! Like a, already... I'm going to sell you on <laughs> fire support with mortars. Like I'm, I fought for eWebs. Yep. Uh, hey, don't get me wrong. I love mortars. I just don't think it's critical to. Is this like that Facebook group? This uh, is a no, weird hill to die on, but okay. <laughs> I every yeah, I, every hill's a hill for me to die on. I'm just like, yeah, let's do this now. Here lies Jake Shalansky. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think I think mortars are amazing. I just think they're plenty amazing without fire yeah, same. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, bikes have always hit like a truck. They've always been fast. Um. They've just been super vulnerable to things like snipers and bombardments. Um, you know, I think uh, they're still vulnerable to things like with big, hard-hitting dice pools like short troopers and soon clones. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think it'd be fun to see them get like a new. I mean, the big life. the big thing um, that I'm seeing is that triple bikes, you know, went from two seventy to two twenty five. Like that's a substantial decrease right there. So. Yeah, you're saving 45 points. Yeah, like, is it, man, bikes. now I want to see if I could do like Boba Officer triple bikes for 10 activations or something like that. Because that would be. I bet you. I bet you, I bet could. you could. That would be pretty nasty. But 
Bikes are also incidentally really good against yep. Tauntauns. They are. They're good against Tauntauns um, because, in the initial round. They're bad against them in the pass because Tauntauns are throwing four red with sharp right, one. Yeah. Right. They're not going to, you know, the Tauntauns when they're, when they're able to attack the bikes are going to do a lot of damage to them and the bikes are not going to help them clear out uh, Tauntauns from your lines, but they have long range and they're fast. So they're going to be able to reach and hit the Tauntauns before the Tauntauns get dodges in most situations. Yeah. So the, the uh, trick is the trick yeah. is not to joust with Tauntauns. You will lose if you joust with them. You yep. will win, but you'll, you'll, well, you won't win. You'll do a lot more damage <clears throat> if you dip in, shoot, dip out, and just try to let your natties, you know, mm-hmm. let your four na- average, four hit natural, natural average just, you know, come into play there and see if they can whittle the Tauntauns down before they hit your lines. You just mm-hmm. have to be very yep. careful and you'll also need a high activation count because you'll need like 10 or 11 because a lot of the triple taunt on lists are running yep. 10 right now. Yep. Um, but with 45 points, you're saving on triple bikes. Maybe. Yeah, it's well. possible. 45 points is almost an officer. So. Yep. Um, all right. Exhaust weapons. Um, the ion the both versions of the rebel grenade launcher the fleet and the rebel trooper one uh the hh12 and the snow trooper ion all got minus eight points they still have problems beyond their exhaust unfortunately um yeah super necessary um but yeah i don't know we'll see if they get taken uh maybe if rotaries are running everywhere we'll see some hh i'm curious about taking a rebel ion Uh, gun like a rebel trooper ion gun just because um it's an extra an extra tool against decas. Um, it's also an extra tool against you know. I already I already like Bistan, and so having two iron weapons might be decent as well, because you know again CIS yeah. is going to be a thing, and vehicles are going to be a thing, and it, nothing satisfies me more than an ionized ATST without Astromex to back it up. Yeah, um, yeah, I think the ions are actually great against the ATST. I think they're questionably good against the tanks just because you have to actually do a wound. Um, yeah. And all of the ion weapons still only have impact one, so there's a good chance they just straight straight up save. Yeah, Bistan's the only exception there because he's got a giant dice pool, so he might actually get a few more crits than like one. So. Right. Yep. He's got thirteen dice, so he's pretty close to the two average. I think the actually so uh, the um, I forgot to mention that the snowtrooper ion also got a range increase to three. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so you can actually use it with their regular guns. Yeah, I think this is actually pretty amusing because you can um, move, shoot, and recover. Yep. Uh, with the snows, seems good to me. Um, yeah, and if you do that with with uh, Palpatine, you can move, shoot, recover, pull the strings, move, shoot, and double ionize something. Oh my turn. gosh. Well, that's though. That's what you do with Palp, right? To make an all-rounder, you bring an Ion Snow for vehicles. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how reliable it is because it's still Impact One, and you know, like, oh, I bet it, are you really going to push that wound through? It'd be absolutely but, killer against Rebel armor, though, because all Rebel armor is light. So, you know, it's like, yeah, that'd be it would be great an, against it would be an ace yeah. against ATRTs, like hands down. Yeah, like yeah, for sure. So Palpatine players, um, Ion Snows, um, add that to your repertoire and go win an event and let us talk about it more because that seems really cool. <laughs> I don't think that's just a meme. I think yeah, that's an actual legit thing. So, 
I, I think it's I, I think amusingly so it was clearly the worst of, of these four weapons before I think it's amusingly it's potentially now the best of the four. right because it's on a unit that has that free action that makes it just that much more economical yep as opposed to say like a rebel, um, rebel veterans yep rebel veterans got minus five to the their heavy upgrade the cm slash zero dash 93 uh, the c3po 93 uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I've been I've been using it. I mean, it needed it because I think the math was just wrong. Um, at least that's that was what my understanding was. That was actually like a slight hit to efficiency to get the Mark II in there. Um, that was just what I understood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people were running running vets either naked or just with a comms uh, comms tech with uplink. Um, like they weren't even taking this thing, so it it definitely needed. You know, it was like like you compare this to like the the stormtrooper T twenty one, which is cheaper and does has exactly the same stats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on a unit with red saves, so. Um, you know, yeah, I think it was just clearly overcosted, yeah. and uh, they fixed it. So, yeah, I mean, um, it, I think it's perfectly. It had to now. be roughly the same as the Stormtrooper T twenty one. I it hasn't really. I shouldn't say hasn't really. I've had like one or two shots with it that have been really like, okay, that's why I brought it. But I really do wish the bonus showed up more often. I mean, maybe the bonus is just access to the heavy weapon yeah. coordinate. Like maybe that's where the bonus lies. This is just a way to sort of you know, but it, the, you know. That is that is it. I mean, it's not going to be like the short trooper T twenty one where you're like, this thing hits like a truck. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm I didn't say it before. The short trooper T twenty one is one dice short of an e web. It's just, it's an e web yeah. missing a red die. Like that's right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> With critical one on well, a unit that doesn't surge, and you're right, and you're adding it to four black. Yeah, dice. which is crazy good. Like. <laughs> It's it's phenomenal. Uh, it's a phenomenal gun. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's a uh, uh, yeah. It uh, we won't talk about the shores this episode, but we will at some point have a shore trooper episode, and um, we will be singing the praises of the T twenty one. We got any more? Sorry, T twenty. We got any more on this list? Because dang. Yeah, there are more things on this list. So let me just list them off, and we can decide which ones we want to talk about. Okay. Uh, Pathfinder A three hundred config is now free. Um, targeting scopes went down by two points. Battle meditation went down by five. Uh, comms jammer went down by ten, and the FD cannon is now range five. Pathfinder config should have been free from release, in my opinion. Um, agree. Um, I, I think you probably weren't taking this anyway on them, so it doesn't like meaningfully reduce their cost to field. But getting things for free well, is nice. Well, I so. was because I liked to be able to shoot at range four, and I have used the short range config on yeah, numerous but- occasions. Yeah, I mean, I took it a couple times, but um, anyway, now it's free. Yeah, so, so you can uh, take it all the time. Free. free things are free, and you are recovering anyway because you're best and so why not? Yep. Um, and, well, it doesn't exhaust. So. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, targeting scopes, minus two. Um, I think this is pretty good on shores, actually. Yeah, scope shores are now like something to consider. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, they clones a- too possibly uh i don't know about clones but 
you know, Shores get a free end token every turn. If yeah, you get it right. you're just paying um, to enhance their keyword. Which is about, yeah, so you're talking about, um, you know, every time they get a name, they get an extra extra dice reroll, and they get multiple free aims uh, per game and multiple per turn. Right, so, so like, <laughs> you're basically, you're, every aim that gets passed to this unit is enhanced by by 50%, essentially. Yep. So that's yeah, a lot yep, of enhancement. Yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's, they're also decent now in Bosk, uh, especially because Stims went up, which was previously something you'd consider in that yeah, spot. Yeah, so now you're on um, Hunter Scopes instead. Yeah, Hunter Scopes. Yep. And reroll like three dice um, every time you reroll with Lying and Wait, so you get to reroll thirty dice instead of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Makes that five crit shot even even yeah. stronger, or even more likely. Yeah. Right, and it makes Rampage a lot better too. Oh my because, gosh, I'm so you know, sorry about dealing with Rampage. This dog outside, man. No, that's all right. It's background ambient. Um, all right, I, I still don't think you're taking scopes on anything except Shorja Prison Boss. Do you guys agree? Agreed. Um, no, I, I think, think you should take them on clones. I just said that, and you, you threw it away, Kyle. Like you throw all my <laughs> other ideas away. <laughs> So I was screw just, you, Kyle. You should take them on clones. You know, what, Jay, that was a that was a that was a system one response, Jay. Um, you know, because the last time you just said uh, nothing substantial, so I just assumed like that's what I heard in my brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just kidding, Jay. I um, hope I face you. Riggedy wrecked. I hope. <laughs> I hope I face you in Invader League. I can't. I can't wait to take you down with e-webs. With, oh, gonna you're gonna like run targeting scope UMs and get disqualified for an illegal list. Yeah, and I'm gonna fire support them too, just to just to ruin your day. UMs <laughs> with uh, with with fire supported mortars and uh, yeah, somehow targeting scoped clones. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. Yep. We want to have a gear. No, he doesn't. Damn. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm gonna take targeting scope saber throwing Obi Wan. <laughs> So let me. So let's real quick. Why do you think they're particularly good on clones, Jay? Um, I think it just it for the before because they were the cost was a little high, but I think maybe early on here in the first kind of armies that we see with clones, I think putting targeting scopes on them is really just going to help you. Just maybe cut some of the edge that the other factions have because of the variety of troops and their all their abilities um and you're going to be a little bit limited so any any additional rerolls you can get for hits i think it's going to help on clones um in the initial like launch of the factions um that's fair i you know i think that i mean points are like Every clones list is like a Palpatine list where you're like, man, I wish I had three more points. Um, yeah. So I think, I think for that reason, it's a little bit of a hard sell for them. They also don't, you know, the reason that they're they're so good on on Shores and Bosk is because both of those units get free AM tokens. Clones don't get free AM tokens. Um, at least not yet. Um, so uh, you know, Rex has tactical, but um, for the moment, like, there's no way for a clone unit to get an AM token besides that or another clone unit taking an aim action. So um, 
I, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't know. I, I think four points is still a lot to ask for something that may be useful in a list that's so tight on points anyway. But Yeah, I guess I was just, you know, with the, the problem is Z6 is such, the Z6 upgrade in particular, I think this would be a good combo because it's five points cheaper than the, what is it, the DC-15. And Z6 is such variance monsters, like any additional dice you can get to re-roll on that, I, I, I believe is going to help um, and just make it that much stronger of a, of a dice, of an attack pool. But I, I don't think that's long-term solution. I, I'm just thinking more in the short term to just kind of, because you're going to be down activations anyway, so you need to get as many rolls of, of dice that you can get as when you're attacking. I think. Um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, all Are right. You just saying uh, that because you don't want me to yell again. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to battle meditation. Uh, minus five. Uh, Thoughts? Okay. I know. I. Uh, I never really liked this card to begin with. I think it's got some really niche uses. I think it's better to I think it's better to mention that commanding presence went to five points, and that's specifically good on Leia with okay. Tauntauns. Like I think that that card is amazing. Um, I agree. Yeah, I love commanding presence. Now, one of the niche, I, I do want to. So commanding that's actually not one that I mentioned in the article, but it's one we should talk about because it is great with Tauntauns and it's only five points. Yeah, it's also great with another upgrade that um, went to five points recently as well. <laughs> it rhymes with hammer. hammer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that one in a second. Um, so notably, uh, commanding presence also works indirectly with entourage. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, <laughs> right now, uh, at least by rules as written, there's a weird like situation where you can use commanding presence to entourage at range four, um, because it just says when issuing orders, you can issue orders at range four and entourage. I mean, that's kind of dopey, but I could see um, it. There's a, there's a donut. There's a range three donut. Well, right. So what it doesn't right, what it doesn't say is that you can issue orders at range three with Oh my presence. lord. Um, so yeah, you you cannot I, use commanding I, presence. I mean hot issue. take. That's a really goofy reading of the rule, though technically legal. Yeah, I mean that clearly seems unintended, but that's at least um, I believe this actually came up at Gen Con and that's how they ruled it. Yeah. Technically that's correct. Um but it's weird. It is weird. Definitely. <laughs> uh, weird. All right. So potentially decent on a chronic. Um, I think that uh, I want to talk about battle meditation real quick as it relates specifically to Palpatine. Um, because you can use shore troopers to uh, basically create like a loop with battle med. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, I don't remember if I've talked about this on a previous cast or not, but essentially uh, if you have, a shore trooper with a mortar with comms relay, you can use battle meditation. Um, like for example, on given your anger, which normally only allows an order to be issued to Palpatine. Um, battle meditation, uh, essentially allows you to ignore all the restrictions on the command card and also range restrictions. Cause it literally just says when you're issuing orders using a command card, you may issue one of those orders to any friendly unit on the battlefield. Um, so like given your anger says Palpatine, 
but you can use battle meditation to make it say whoever you want, which includes, you know, a short trooper. So you issue the order to the short trooper, short trooper uses uh, coordinate to issue an order to a mortar. Um, mortar then uses comrades relay to issue an order or to pass that order to Palpatine. Now, now, uh, and of course you can do this with multiple. Troopers. Now, is this because, does this so, work because the unit that has battle meditation was never actually issued an order? Because other correct. loops. Yeah. So this is different language. Yeah. Other loops were broken by different language. Yeah. yeah. This, right. So this is different language than comms relay, which says when you would be issued an order, instead issue an order to a different unit within range one to two. Palpatine never, in this instance, would never have been issued an order by battle meditation. The initial order just goes straight to the Right. Shore. And so it's passing through this loop that is the battle meditation character. Right, you're you're putting Palpatine on the end of the loop instead right, of which enables you to, to issue essentially um, as far as you have coordinates. Right, so like if you have, um, you know, just as an example, if you have like three short troopers and three mortars, all of which have comms relay, you use battle med to issue the first order to the short trooper on the end of the chain, and then and then bump it down the chain all the way to Palpatine, and then you end up with orders on. All three of your short troopers and on Palpatine on yeah. every turn, including giving your right. So, it, I mean, um, it's um, it's abusive. It's legal, but it's abusive. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how effective it actually is because um, short troopers are well. You get. I mean, you we're get, going I'm fine with it. You get yeah. aims right. You're basically triggering target, and you're yeah. you're triggering target. You're triggering strict. You're also triggering aggressive tactics you're, potentially, and well, you're only triggering one. Oh, that, of those okay, that's because true. Only has but wasn't he the nominated commander? Yeah, he was. So oh, yeah, if you're okay. using aggressive that's tactics, fair. you're triggering okay, aggressive so, tactics. But he, yeah, only, he only so, had, so never mind strict, yeah. just at <laughs> like that. That by itself, like three aims and three surge tokens, four surge tokens, because of you know. Well, I guess you don't really use it on PALP, but you know what I mean. Um, and does this include Entourage as well? Uh, well, yeah, Entourage is just separate and apart from this. So, like, in addition to this coordinate chain shenanigan, you can also just issue an order via Entourage. So, good lord, man. So, that means you're going to get you're um, gonna get three aims. You're going to get three <laughs> aims and four surges, one of which is on your guard, three of which is on the shore troopers, and an order on Palpatine. On the turn that you play Palpatine's yep. two pip or his or his one pip, that is correct. Yeah, off the hook, crazy good, and all because of a five point, all so because of a of, the, a of battle meditation of a five point force power. Yeah, so so the short answer, I think, is I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that's actually good. It's definitely hilarious. Um, I'm not convinced that it's good just because uh, uh, of how expensive short uh, Okay, slow down a second. Slow, slow down just a second. Three aims and four surges does not go in the same sentence as I'm not sure it's actually good. <laughs> like, come on. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm not sure that it's a good idea to have. So I've tried, I've, I've, I've played okay. around with this a little bit. Um, you are in a list with three short, in a list with Palpatine, IRG, three short troopers and three mortars. You're definitely feeling like the lack of stormtrooper meat, if that makes sense. Okay. Because shores are expensive wounds. Um, mortars are not frontline units. Um, and like, you also need 
a medic or two in there because it's a Palpatine list. If you're running, nah, you, don't need, tactics, you don't need you a don't medic anymore. You got surge tokens. No, seriously though. <laughs> well, what if Palpatine? Oh, okay. Gets well, uh, I, I don't know, man. Position position better, yeah, but you know what you I need... mean. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, 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 jo- I'm, I'm joshing you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> So my point is, my point is, uh, in a Palpatine list, you're still like light on meat, um, and Palpatine yeah, lists really true. need meat. So I'm not convinced that this is actually yeah. any good, but I want to play around with I, it because it's so. I think it's kind of crazy that you can get that done, um, like, and have all your well, all your meat now has three has at least one three up save in the tank, or one uh, defense surge, or yeah, defense surge and, in the tank. Know, Right, and the IRG have guard. Yeah, and if they don't shoot um, your shores, your shores get to spend that surge on offense. Right. I mean, so I, yeah, we'll see. I, like I said, I've I've messed around with this a little bit. I I'm not convinced that it's it's beefy enough as like a a palp, like it's it's a very from a Palpatine perspective, it's it's a little bit of an expensive yeah. gimmick. Um, yeah. Sometimes like you don't you just don't roll any surges, and then what are you doing with all those free surge tokens? Nothing. Um, it's also, you know, Palpatine less vulnerable to suppression. Um, this isn't really any different. So it, I don't know. Okay. It's, I think it's, I think it's fun and amusing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is I'm an awesome sure discussion that we'll have to reiterate sometime because I'm sure Jay is tearing his hair out because he wants us to stop talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about comms jammer and then, uh, we will, um, close this out. Sure. Let's close with comms jammer. Uh, uh, yeah, it's really cheap, cheap, and um, I have a couple of friends who jokingly told me that CIS is no longer a faction thanks to this upgrade. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's uh, that's I'm overstating the case that's... dramatically, but you know, it's pretty strong. Uh, we were just hypoth- we were hypothesizing about what if a comms jammer airspeeder flies over a cis blob? What happens then? All their all their <laughs> units have to attack the airspeeder, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Right. Right. So um yeah, it's uh well and if, if you give it to a Tauntaun, um and the Tauntaun melee is a B one that does not have a face up, they have to use AI attack, which also means they can't yeah, withdraw. Yeah, they can't withdraw because AI attack precludes um, withdrawing, which basically means your Tauntauns are right. safe <laughs> until until if and yeah. until you decide to move. It's, them. Uh, so it's like an automatic last against CIS core units with Jammer. Uh, yeah, I think this is probably still sort of a Tauntaun slash Dubai. Yeah, and those are the ones that use it truly well because they have, they, they're like already good units, but this just like makes them even crazier. It's not a, it's not a. Well, that's the yeah, thing. We'll go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's the thing. You're taking a unit that's already like, you know, people are already talking about being arguably overtuned and you're turning yeah, it up to a list. Yeah, which is what makes it really I mean that's what you're looking for ultimately when you build a list, right? You're looking for units that are already amazing. And then you're trying to find those combinations that just push them over the over the top. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. Yeah, and I think this is possibly one of the, one of those, yeah. one of those I'm already I'm already things. learning how to function on uplink because of this upgrade. However, it might be worth taking uplink specifically for this upgrade. Because if your taunts are uplinked and theirs aren't, yeah. you have priority guaranteed essentially that you'll have priority unless they have orders and you'll you actually know it's not not even that you're guaranteed priority because they won't have orders on the one pip turns because they don't have uplink 
right? So they just have to fish yep. for them and from the back. You, uh, you'll probably win that fight, a heads-up fight like that, if you can play your one pip with your links. But, well, so that's assuming you have at least one comms jammer yourself. Cor- Otherwise, they can just give it correct. The old correct. Way. So there's there's an argument for two uplinks, one jammer versus two jammers, one uplink. There's a that's a whole discussion going yeah. on in rubble rubble thought leading right now. Yep. But it, anyway, jammer, you know, was unplayable at fifteen, and it was totally unplayable. Oh, at totally. 15. Now it's like potentially defining because it's attached to a, a very overtuned couple of units. Yeah, it's interesting. And it, so it is a, like Ion, it's an effect that like directly removes player agency um, in a way that feels yeah. kind of powerless. This, so this effect think, just happens I think we'll you can't see, stop but it, it short of killing the Tauntauns. Right, and it's not like it nope. even exhausts. You know, like that'd be one thing if it is yeah, always on it um, to like pick up an order. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so we'll see. It's I think it's possibly one of those things kind of like Ion that either it's not any good or it's too good. Um, but we'll, we'll see how this turns out. I could see this being very frustrating for uh, for droid players. And also, um, interestingly, uh, Obviously, we've talked a lot about short troopers and how great they are, but this is a excellent counter to like a short trooper gunline because you can't do the uh, the comms relay coordinate shenanigan to get them all orders right. and aim tokens. It just totally messes that up. Like it just breaks the chain utterly. Yep. So it means your opponent has to bring mm-hmm. some other tech, which you know it's nice, right? Because that means there's actually counterplay to the coordinate shenanigans that are going on. Like if you get your tauntauns in there. You know, not only were they good against gun lines generally, but yeah. they're also going to mess it up even further because they can basically shut down the tech that you brought that makes your list run. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it you know tauntauns are a gun line counter, and this is a coordinate counter, so it kind of like it kind of takes a counter and turns it into a right. Counter. Well, I mean, <laughs> is the ultimate lesson here that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket? Like, is that possible? Because I've, I, I mean, I've been practicing uh, well, with two tauntauns deliberately because I don't want my game to end when my tauntauns die because of my screw ups. Um, I think that's a important lesson generally. I think like, like separatists are going to have a hard time doing that, at least in, yeah. as it relates to this, because um, you're essentially obligated to field like five to six B ones, and I think that's going to be the case for a long time. Um, and they very much depend on having the whole faction depends on having face up orders. So, uh, I think that's sort of generally true. I think with respect to this upgrade specifically, that's going to be very difficult for separatists. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Other than that, jammer, you know, jammer, good. <laughs> Play it if you have creature troopers, possibly on an ATRT. Uh, can't recommend it on a speeder bike; just too fragile. Um, you know, speeder yeah. bikes are now, I think, a horde unit. Like you take them in, in groups of three, and just run them at your opponent and mm-hmm. do as much damage as possible. Yep, yep. agree. All right, Jay, we will uh, we will cut that off at that that comms jammer. Even though there's yeah, there's things. even there's even more <laughs> stuff. We, could have done this we we basically ended up doing like 
two episodes in one. Yeah, this was a this was a, a two and a half hour long episode. Well, I'm sure I'm sure our commuters will be extremely thrilled that we talked for this long. <laughs> I mean, it'll yeah, so. yeah, 45 minutes was just not their speed. They wanted us to go on for about this long. I totally dig that too. Yeah. So anyway, there's um there's our there's our uh, deep probing thoughts about the state of the post points changes meta, and that's not but that's not even like the the half of it. <laughs> there's so much there. Yep. It's a it's a whole new world. Yep. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he fell asleep. He's, just, he's got that like. He's got like that uh, that bird with the water in it on his desk that's like hitting the spacebar button. Yep, yep. I've just completely checked out. <laughs> uh, no, I I think he has it right. There's just so much, right? Like I think this is something. Like you know, Kyle, you said it's a whole new world, but I I I really don't even think that's like I think that's true. I think these point changes are just going to shake everything up and then all the new units and then the new factions. I don't, you know, for, for us that pontificate about what the future holds, I think it's very hard to even see it right now because of how unstable in a good way, everything what is. Did he, what did he say? Always in motion is the future. Yeah. I think that's our episode title. I think we may have used it. it. Unfortunately, uh, I'm sure we can find another Yoda quote. Uh, so certain are you might be a different one, but I don't know. Anyway, we can speculate about yeah, those things off. Anyway, there. thank you, Jay, for being such a sport <laughs> and <laughs> staying up this late. <laughs> sure. Anything for you guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's close. That yeah, was fun. Yep. All right, well, let's land this plane. Um, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm David. And I'm Jay. And we will uh, see you next week. Join us next week for another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 